had some sweet training i would i would say that was sweet training. 100 yeah i appreciate you making the drive yes well no problem yeah um man i do i'm to the point where i just love training with all the people across the state is what like it's a i want to make it much more of a normal routine i was mentioning i trained with roly the other day and trained with him or you know several months back and we trained together and I think that's a f- really the future, man. I know that's kind of a, it's taboo with some people, but I could see not wanting to train with the people like right next door to you as much. Yeah. But honestly, too, in bigger markets, like people, there's so many gyms in like Dallas and Austin and places like that, California, Southern California, that the population's high enough. I mean, here in the Arkansas River Valley, a little different. Yeah. But I love, uh, we were talking about Rodney earlier, um, looking forward to, to getting with him soon, but I love getting to see what people like yourself are doing. Yeah. And just, you know, trade ideas and, man, because it, it inspires me. I come back here and I work on that stuff with my students or mm-hmm. with myself or one of my students or in class. And um, I... I, I would say I didn't really do that with people in the state as much when I was coming up, just like my own little affiliated, gr- affiliated group. Affiliated group, yeah. But I would always run into like Rodney or um, just different guys that like weren't really under Dream, my mm-hmm. my head coach, and uh, Mark Barber from Five Hundred One. I Man, it's just awesome seeing different flavors, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Um... It, it, everything's so dynamic, you know. There's 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 so many ways to do the same thing that can be equally effective. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding out, particularly as I get older, I, I know I sound like a broken record because I talk about this all the time, but as I get older, like I don't have the athletic dynamism right that I used to have. Bro, so I it's important I... to find a different way to do the same stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Both times you've told me how old you are, because I asked you, like, right when you got here earlier, I didn't, I was like, whoa, wow. Because really, I mean, in a lot of martial arts guys in your type of position, I know, they do look younger than they are, right? Like, and then some people trash their bodies and, like, are injured, and it goes the other way for them. But, man, martial arts will keep you dynamically younger, I guess you could say. Like, I, you do not. do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel honestly like I'm 35, but most people do not tell me. I like when I tell them I'm 35, and I start no. bitching about it like a little girl, no. and they're like, "Bro, you don't look 35." No, not at all. But then, like, I, I just had a kind of a beard about your length, and I shaved it, and it took like seven years off. So it's just like, but yeah. people are like, "Oh man, you look so young." And I'm like, "Thanks." Right. Or go back out, shave it again, so I'm, you can I'm tell me that. Every once, I'm tempted every once in a while. Everybody tells me not. I, mean, I would never do it, right? but I'm tempted every once in a while to dye my beard just to see, just to see what would happen. Did you hear about Eddie Bravo talking about? I that? was listening to it on the way here, and he was talking about dyeing his goatee. Oh, that's so yeah. I told the class last night we we're about to start training. I was like, if I had ten dollars for the every th- every time I've heard Eddie Bravo say New World Order, yeah. I was like. I'd be a semi-rich man. <laughs> on that podcast, you said yeah, it a whole I, bunch. I didn't get, I didn't get, um, 
I didn't get that far into it. I'm, I'm bouncing around. I'm trying to find like just the right. I don't have time to listen to all of them. Right. So yeah, I, I scroll down. That I'm yeah. Interested in Lex you know, Friedman's always good. Yeah, Lex Friedman. I'll never miss uh, Mike Baker. He's never good. Miss one of He's those. on often. Um, you know, uh, Gordon Ryan, of course. That was a good one. Uh, BJ Penn, seen. somewhat recently, I thought was pretty good. Um, I'm listening to the finishing up one with Michael Bisping oh, from yeah. a while back. Mike Mus- my Mikey Musi Messi, younger nerd assassin grappler, like. Dude, I'm talking like he's 25 or 26, but he's like, <laughs> like this little oh, yeah, glasses, yeah, yeah. Mikey. Yeah. I, I started listening. I started listening to that. I just my attention spans ruined too, man. I can't read a book. I can't watch a movie. I can't uh, unless uh, a lot of the the podcasts. I can't finish them. You know, I just like mm-hmm. I get tired of the person's voice or something. Yeah, you know, core is that. Like we were listening to. We're on our way back from a concert a couple weeks ago from Tulsa. It was like a two and a half hour drive, but we were listening to Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. and she like I was I was into it, um, but man, I'm like an auditory guy. That's probably why I wanted like, hey, let's get together and train, because like I'm like hearing you talk about stuff, and then we're doing it, and that's how I really learn, right. you know. Um, but I like podcasts and audiobooks. I've got like I don't know. 300 books in there. That's a lot of books. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a whole new bookcase over there that wasn't over here when you were here last. Like, yeah. and it's full. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors just left teaching. I just left teaching. Um, but he was like, I had him when I was there, and he was like, hey, I need you to go clean out my office. And um, a lot of the books, like three shelves worth on that case over there, uh, a lot of these here. I'm just running out of place to put them, but right behind you, I just had a new shelf made. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my Harry Potter castle on top of it. <laughs> Legos. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. Anyway, books. I've got a whole bunch of them. I just, like, he donated, like, 200 books from his office or something, like, a bunch. And uh, I got them all integrated into here, but, I don't, like it's the history books it's different i i read portions mm-hmm. like i'm going to a specific book like as it comes up like what i'm going to do now that i'm not teaching history is podcast everything that mm-hmm. i was that was a lecture that i just basically podcast with my students yeah but like almost everything i recorded was like a lot of it was on campus i did some of it in the studio from like this vantage but uh I'm just going to redo that, dude, with Egypt and the Enlightenment. Like, every course I really had, and from cleaning out this guy's office, like, I had him for five classes. Yeah. So, like, all the classes I had him for, like, I had the files with the tests and the syllabus and the notes and the book reviews and the everything. Yeah. Bibliography. And he's just not teaching anymore. So, he's like, yeah, just just do whatever with it. Dang gave me that Alvarez guitar over there too the right next to that bookshelf sounds amazing yeah yeah um my buddy Josh went to uh I can't remember guitar center whatever the fuck right and uh he's just decided like I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a an acoustic guitar I'm just gonna play everything in the everything in the place and I don't care what it costs I'm gonna play this I'm gonna buy the thing that sounds the best mm-hmm. that's what you should do he ended up with like a $200 guitar yeah dude my favorite guitar the <laughs> one I just kept get... circling back to it circling back to it finally brought it up there and it's like the uh, 
the uh, the Guitar Center brand. What what's the Guitar Center brand? I don't some even some know. you know relatively like, pretty cheap brand, right? But he's like sounded. It was the best sounding guitar in the place, man. Cost me two hundred bucks. Yeah, that, he, he liked it so much he bought another one. This one over here behind me, I pulled that capo off of a minute ago. I've had it since tenth grade, and it's my favorite guitar. It's just like two hundred. It's one seventy nine, new. Got yeah. it for my birthday, and it's amazing. I love it. It's still my number one. And the other one, this harmony up here, mm. um, just a straight acoustic. I bought it from a meth head on the marketplace for like, I don't know, like, like twenty five bucks or something, like something stupid. And it's a seventy nineteen seventy three, and I took it over to my guy at the music store, and he, they like had a tuner messed up on it, and we replace it. He fixed everything, and I'm sixty bucks on that guitar, Dang. and it's like the best guitar I got in here. Dang, so beautiful sounding. You know, I, I'm I'm so I I have such an unsophisticated ear. You know, when it comes to guitars and stuff like that, like I said, I, if somebody can play guitar, I, I can tell. If they can't play guitar, I can tell. Yeah. That's about it. Um, if a guitar is horribly out of tune, like, oh, something ain't right. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. But um, Josh and I went to Fort Worth several months back. My uh, kind of a little, um, Kind of a little blo bro trip, right? My, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting divorced. My wife's divorcing me. Yeah, you, but, you mentioned that. Uh, uh, and, and so, uh, her and I had this trip to Florida planned. That of course didn't go down, right? But I had a week, a week off from the gym. Right? I had a, a instructor coming in to teach, and it's like, man, I, I could, boy, right about now, I could really use the, I could really use the break. Right? Mm -hmm. Me and him go down to Fort Worth, and. Um, he ends up um, talking our way on stage at the White Elephant two nights in a row, um, which is a, I don't know if you know about the White Elephant, it was a pretty, like, in the stockyards, like a kind of a yeah, you know, yeah. pretty legendary little bar and, and music venue or whatever. Um, he's talking to the, the musical act that night, this woman named Rachel Stacy, a really good musician, really, really fun to listen to, but anyway just meets her like hey can i help you bring your stuff inside no no i got it go to the steakhouse next door and they end up chatting or whatever and, and she and uh he's like yeah we're, we're we've got a gig we had a gig over in Azel, right anyway we've got a gig over there um she's and uh, what do you guys play and everybody down there plays red dirt country mm -hmm. fantastic artist right but if you go down there and listen to a hundred different acts you're gonna hear the same 40 songs mm -hmm. right played quite well but that's what everybody that's what everybody's playing and uh you know of course we're playing 90s rock so wow i really love that stuff you guys want to jump on stage when i take a break he's like yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll do a few songs um he neglects to tell me that <laughs> right so we're uh -huh. you know doing doing what you do in a in a bar you know listening to music and it gets i don't i don't know what 11 o'clock or something like that when she's going to take her take her break and she's like all right what what's the name of y'all's band she's on the mic what's the name of y'all's band and he's like josh and zane okay well, this is josh and zane they're gonna play you a few songs and i'm like that's weird it sounds like she's saying josh and zane <laughs> he turns and looks at me he's like come on where's zane <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> who's who's zane 
Next thing you know, I'm up on stage. She hands him a guitar. We play a few songs. But uh, we get off stage. <clears throat> Went over real well, right? Because nobody hears that kind of music down there played, right? So it was pretty cool. But anyway, he gets off stage. He's like, man, did you see that guitar she handed me? I'm like, yeah, it was pretty. It was red. You know? It's like, that's like an $8,000 guitar. It's like, that thing sounded that thing sound amazing. And I was like, Sounded like a guitar. Yeah. You know, like that. I just have no. I have no. Anyway, it's a cool trip, fun time. But, uh, yeah, the funny part was, uh, you know, he plays this amazing, you know, amazing Gibson guitar. And I'm just like, that was red. <laughs> Sound like it was in tune. You know, I will say, like, I've got a lot of different guitars in here. But right over behind you, there's a Les Paul there. And it does sound better than most of the stuff I have in here. I've got several Fenders in here, uh, Strats. I've got a really, it's a Squire, but it's a Tully. I kind of hot-rodded it out. Um, but, man, that Gibson just has a different tone. You know, the way they make the neck, um, it's like one piece of wood, the mm -hmm. neck and the body. Whereas, like, all my Fenders, the neck bolts on. You know, right. so. Okay. Uh, but it is, and I, I don't know if that's what changes the tone of it as much. Um, I mean, I think there's a variety of factors going on, but uh, I scored that Les Paul Studio. It was a, I think it's a 2013 model, but it only had one owner. There was a place in Fort Smith for years, Ben Jack. Yeah. Went out of went out of business, and when they did, Olson's here in town, which went out of business, they bought it and sat on it forever and sold it to a guy that. He knew my guitar teacher, and so, like, I knew everything about the guitar before I bought it. Yeah. And, because, uh, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure it's not a fake. Because <laughs> the guy was, like, wanting, wanting to sell it for, like, Christmas money or something, you know? Yeah. And, like, I got a, a steal on it, and they had a case with it even. Uh, but, man, I will say out of all the ones in here, it's, for my electrics, it's, it's this different. It sounds different. Electric especially. It's like, man, you can do so much with pedals and, and everything mm. on electrics. Like, I, I'm totally lost. Now, an acoustic guitar, he's done it before, right? Listen to this. Bling, bling, bling. Now listen to this. Bling, bling. Ah, okay. I, I, I can see the little difference there, but I'm just pretty stupid about it. I just sing, man. You ever heard of <laughs> uh, Billy Strings? He's like a, actually a bluegrass guy, but he's younger, and he plays with, like, Wes Claypool from Primus and shit. Yeah. Like, but he also, he's, but I've seen him sit in with Widespread Panic twice, my favorite band. Mm -hmm. Um, he sat in with Trey Anastasio from Fish, you know, like, yeah. uh, sat in with, uh, Dead and Company, and they've, Bob Weir from Grateful Dead's come over and played with him. So it's like, he's a real interesting guy, but, um, plays acoustic, but there's some songs where he will use, like, an overdrive pedal with his acoustic, mm -hmm. like, distort it. And, He's soloing and stuff when he does that, and using volume pedals and just bringing it in and out. And man, it's really amazing how he does that. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm even as a guitar player, and like I've got a pretty extensive pedal collection in here. Uh, but it's always interesting too. I bet for you also. It's interesting to see a front man like Maynard, from Tool. Like, oh yeah, you just sing. That's and you're really good at it. Why like, you're amazing? You just sing in three bands. Mm -hmm. But then you take uh, somebody that's like, um, oh, what's a good example? Um, I'll use this one as maybe a weak example. But Blink-182, 
mm-hmm. three dudes, and yeah. the the lead guitar player is the singer. Yeah, like that's in, that's interesting to me as somebody that can front a band, but they also are maybe the only guitar player. Yeah, really, really interesting. Uh, the Rush the, would be another example. Not a not a three piece, but um, remember Days of the New? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Travis or something like that. Incredible guitar player, Chicago. incredible vocal vocalist. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I just. I don't, I don't see how people do it. you got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, I guess. Yeah, you know, and I saw Clutch mention that a while back, and I thought that their singer played more guitar than he did. I'd never seen him before. I've listened to a little bit of their stuff, seen him perform, and, like, you see some pictures and seen some videos and playing guitar with the band. Mm-hmm. He played guitar in, like, two songs, and that's it. Like, yeah. he was, like, the front man. Like, yeah. he, he, very animated, um, and that's one thing my buddy Michael Booty and I, he's been on the podcast, English professor, been to a lot of shows together. And he's like, man, I, I thought that he was more of a musical part of the band. But what we were complimenting is how three musicians filled that hall up with, with the sound. That's another thing like, okay, well, yeah, so let's say you have a four piece mm-hmm. and the front man's not playing guitar. Like what's, I would say typical is you take a band like, um, like an Aerosmith or something. They got two guitar players. Yeah. That's that's pretty common. And and you might, I mean, like uh, two guitar players and a singer. But anytime you get that, like the three core musicians and then a front man, and that blows me away too. Like the how uh, three musicians can sound so accomplished. That's why I use that Blink-182 example because it's like, they did write some good music, and I, I'm a fan of the guitar player of that band. He's uh, Tom DeLonge. He, he's on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Aliens, yeah. conspiracy. He's, he's weird, dude. He's, yeah, I he's know. weird cat. Oh, weird cat, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like listening to it. You know, yeah. Joe Rogan was pretty dismissive of him, and I like the number of weird fucking people Joe Rogan's had on it, and I kind of get it. Like, he wasn't taking him seriously as an alien guy. Mm-hmm. But it's like quite literally right after he was on the Pentagon videos that Joe Rogan still talks about being released were Tom DeLonge's fucking videos. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. When he's like um, behind all that in a way, you know, like he's he really was telling a true story with a lot of, the, a lot of but he didn't want to like give all of his info away. Joe was asking him 20 questions about everything. Yeah. And he wasn't going deep on it, but Yeah, I remember him being super I remember him being super dismissive of him. And then I, I heard him rip on him like in another podcast. Somebody's like, Oh yeah, that guy and he was like, Yeah, I got <laughs> Yeah. But uh whatever. Uh but yeah. yeah, that you know, I'm I'm interested in him too. I've, I've talked about this with people before, but like Maynard, you know, like, mm-hmm. Wow, dude, you're you're a singer at three bands. That's yeah. amazing. Like Wow, and like if you think about it, Tool. I've seen Pussifer in November. Yeah, but Tool, Pussifer, and a perfect circle have all had albums come out in the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like not only are you in three bands, all three of those bands have put music out since right before or during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? That's like a bard. You, you know, like a singer of songs. Like I tell people this: the first dude who uh, wrote Homer down. Had that shit fucking memorized. 
you know? Yeah. Like it was like a singer of songs would have had those million lines in his head. Yeah. Herodotus, the dude, uh, like uh, all the story about Thermopylae and like he's who gave us that with his right. histories. That was written to be performed. Yeah. But so like that's what in Dungeons and Dragons you call bard, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have no frame of reference because like I said, I've written songs before, but they suck and I've never liked them. I bet they're good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Every, you, you'd probably like, be like, my jab sucks. And it's like, I would just do jab with you. It's really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd say my jab sucks too. It's always getting better. Yeah, right. But well, so, it's funny. Like, usually the last song I've written, I'm like, I got one okay song. You know? That's yeah. basically the way I feel about it. See, like, like, usually the last song I've written, I'm like, yeah, I got one song that's okay. Well, what's interesting back, so, and um, maybe, because it did, it takes talent to be in a band, to play music with other people, but the approach on writing, too, is interesting to me, right? So it's I've got a lot of instrumental songs I've written, and it's like, well, if I could just put some lyrics in. Some of them I do have some good lyrics, but then it's like, I don't, this gets better the more I go, better I get a guitar. Singing and playing at the same time, just, that's a whole other thing, dude. Mm. That's like a whole other thing. I'm not super uh, proficient at that. I will get lost. I'll get off with my, my guitars going one way and the vocals the other. So it's hard for me to write the melodies I can even hear it in my head sometimes, but it's like to be able to collaborate with somebody. I think that's how a lot of bands do it. Because you look at the writing credits, there'll be like five guys' names on it. Yeah. Or two or three guys in the band. It's like, oh yeah, the guitar player was co-writing lyrics. They kind of both came up with it together. You see that a lot. Like right. Pink Floyd. Right. Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore. Well, yeah, I've, I always thought too, right? Like, well, the, the, bass, the bass guitarist, like he's writing his bass part. Mm -hmm. Right, so his name's on the thing. That's what I always thought it was, but you never know. That, right? that is too. That is more. Sometimes I, you know? I think it varies by band how they do the songwriting credits. Yeah. So like uh, the big controversy. Speaking of '90s bands, Third Eye Blind. Yeah. The big controversy with them is they had two albums. I've seen them several times. I like their music. That's their first two albums are major success. It was like '97 and '99, I think, when they came out. Mm -hmm. But the way that the singer Stephen Jenkins, who was valedictorian of Berkeley School of Music, the way he set the band up was even though the guitar player Kevin Cadogan had written a lot of the lyrics with Stephen Jenkins, mm -hmm. like for like all your favorite Third Eye Blind songs. It was all like the whole band entity was set up where Stephen Jenkins was like the sole proprietor, basically. Like everything was under him. It didn't matter who wrote the song. Once Third Eye Blind made it, Third Eye Blind is Stephen Jenkins. Dang. And if you go look into the history of that band, and everybody that's ever played in the original lineup is, other than the drummer, is not with the band anymore. Like they've had two really good Tony Fridianelli and that Kevin Cadogan dude, really good guitar players. And it's like those dudes don't even play music anymore. Damn. Yeah, but it's uh, it's interesting like that. But I, um, you can look and get into like the big debate on Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Roger fucking wrote all the songs, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, David's the guitar player. Roger's the real creative influence. No, he's fucking not. Okay, David Gilmore is the front man. Okay, he sings all the songs and he writes just as many of the lyrics as Roger. 
dropped a mic. <laughs> Dude, it is like a years long debate with me and my buddy on that. Like yeah. we we one time argued all the way from Dallas about who the front man of Pink Floyd was. <laughs> and what we concluded after several months was that Sid Barrett's the front man and he's dead. <laughs> like he was the original front man, you know, yeah. Sid Barrett and, and then he went I guess schizophrenic from doing too much acid for too long. Yeah, see, that's another thing about bands, and I would say, what just what you want to call a drug, but um, these people, athletes, MMA fighters, bands, is like getting addicted to anabolic steroids or uh, getting addicted to drugs uh, and just totally derailing your career. We're making it better in some cases, I suppose. I mean... Some people would say, right, there's some hard stances on it, right? Yeah, you ever get into Blind Melon? Shannon Hoon? No. They're in the 90s. Um, they sang a song, No Rain, mm-hmm. the, uh, which I really like, but they have a lot of, um, they got one I really enjoy called Seed to a Tree. Super good, but yeah. it's just, uh, it's kind of that quintessentials 90, 90s grunge. I forget who they were on tour with when he died, but OD'd of think it was a speedball man <clears throat> with band like I've, I've been in a few bands right and it's like it's it's for the most part you find two different kinds of musicians um you find really dependable down-to-earth guys with not very much talent or you find really talented guys that you can't get to show up for practice mm-hmm. um and uh you know my little we'll cover band I'm in now we've we got you know four guys right a little bit of talent showing up for practice mm-hmm. you know and it's it's uh that's the hard part I think with with a band that's why most how can you guys practice you have like a regiment yeah I think that's good and like anybody I jam with because ultimately I would like to be doing the same exact thing you're doing just like once a week jam with a core group of guys but like finding dependable people and it's like dude I am busier than all of these motherfuckers <laughs> honestly and I'm, I'm just kind of like anytime I'll start jamming with somebody I'm like hey bro we should make this like an every Friday at 4 o'clock thing right. because I can't do it otherwise yeah right like uh, and I will say like it's been nice this summer because like I'm not for the first time in over four years I don't have two jobs like this huge ass gym that is gonna occupy like all my free time when I was not at the college Mm -hmm. Um, now I have more time to train like that's I think when we trained was last summer and it's like I was having to regiment so I'd spend my summer all last summer just going everywhere to train Mm -hmm. and that's like I'll see you guys next summer (laughs) or you know I have a couple of seminars do some events squeeze some privates in here and there but not the same and now I have the luxury of doing that of doing more podcasts like that's where like Man, everything I was doing was taken away for something else. But I will say, like, I don't feel... I know I will feel more... Like, look at this fucking room. You think uh, I would be playing music in a band right now? <laughs> and I would like to, and, you got, but... You, you have more guitars than any guitar player right now. A collector. <laughs> you should see my Star Wars action figure collection. It's going to go on a shelf over there. Sweet. Yeah. I, I used to have a... Um, uh, like, an, like an X-Men... Ooh, yeah, dude, me too. I wish I still Justice did. Justice League. 
like the nineties cartoon X Men. Oh yeah, that was that was my jam, dude, big oh. time. Uh, you know, there's I've got a pedal and it's Tom Morello plays it. It's called a whammy, but the intro to the cartoon was written on that pedal. And I was just talking about this on the podcast the other day, but I was like, I gotta learn how to. Uh, I gotta learn how to play that intro. Yeah, yeah. So, good. so no, I was a I was a, I was a comic book geek before before the cartoon. So I, in 1988 or 89. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what kind of spawned, I think the the well definitely notoriety of the cartoon. What I I think what happened is. Um, Wolverine got his own series in the late eighties. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, by popular demand, and then and then he got even more popular because he had his own he had his own comic, and then I just it just blew up from there. But I the the first comic I ever picked up in in uh, a grocery store in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. Right, my mom was grocery was grocery shopping, and I got bored, so I went over to the magazines or whatever and saw a comic book stand picked up this comic it was wolverine number two. Oh wow and uh talked my mom into buying it for me have no idea where it's at now um it's not worth anything anyway right comics are um you know baseball cards are worth way more than comics for whatever reason yeah but um uh <clears throat> just fell in love with the character it's funny i i get um I get more emotional. I get more moved by um, comic book movies, particularly comic book um, animated movies, than literally anything else. Music, sad movies, dramatic movies, whatever. Like I could watch uh, um, Endgame right now, just if I let myself. Right, I won't do it because I'm a man, but. I could, I could cry like a baby. Yeah. You know, um, and watch. It doesn't even have to be a sad scene, right? I just get chills because these are my best friends, right? The point mm. is these are, I, these, uh, I, I lived out in the country. So, you know, it's not like I could just walk to my buddy's house. I was homeschooled. Yeah. Right. So it was like, it wasn't, wasn't as much like that. Like I would go out to my grandparents' house. They lived way out in the country, but like my parents were like, all my aunts and uncles lived out there too, but they would like, you know, their kids went to school and they were in town all the time and worked in town. But I would go to my grandma's often uh, and just be like out in the country. But man, it very much like when I was growing up, it was cartoons, comics, action figures. Like those were your friends. Like I legit had no fucking friends. I was like at my house and it was like, I was homeschooled. I was at my house, but my mom had a job. Yeah. So it was like, uh, I just was not like, you know, I would get my homework done and then I might go fishing at the creek behind my house and then my parents would be off work and then kids I knew at school would be out of school and you might hang out with one of them you knew from church or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was, uh, it was a very much I turned to popular culture for entertainment, the same sort of thing you're just alluding to. Yeah, I, I was, I was the first comic book nerd I knew you know there was one other there was one other kid in my little school that read comics and, and we would get together and did you collect vinyl or anything no really 
to, no. or uh, cassettes, anything like that? Like music, like do you like? No, I mean, when I um, <clears throat> so a couple of things like, first of all, when I was in uh, like middle school, right about the time kids start getting interested in music, um, what was on the radio was like Motley Crue and White Snake and Warrant and, and all this metal. like party, party, yeah, party hair metal and like Doctor Feel Good, Eight Balls. Like, I don't know what this stuff is, and I can't, so I couldn't connect with it, you know. And then I heard uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, right? And I was like, I need a radio. Bro, do you like um, Mother Love Bone? Yeah. Oh, I love Mother, like, Andy Wood, what a talented guy. Chris Cornell's, like, you mentioned Soundgarden earlier, yeah. but uh, Chris Cornell's uh, roommate. Yeah. Wow. And two members of Pearl Jam in that band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... So th that's when I got interested in music um, in the first, uh, you know, two tapes that I just wore completely out was Pearl Jam 10. I've got it on vinyl right behind and, you. And uh, uh, the Metallica's Black Album. Oh, I got to get that on vinyl for sure. Classic. Uh, but back then, um, I talk about this a lot uh, in, in my kids' class. Like, if you wanted a new... Everything's so accessible now, you know. If if I wanted a new tape, you know, like hey, Soundgarden's new tape is out, Mom. You know, she's like, well, your birthday's in a few months. That's it, you know. So you learned, a, um, you know, like keep doing your chores and, you know, saving up your allowance. Well, money cassettes or weren't cheap, dude. No, they were they were expensive. Twenty bucks or something. Twenty right? bucks, yeah, and that was a lot of money back then. It really was. And. Uh, and so you learned a like earn earn it you got to earn the money you got to save the money and you got to wait and there's none of those things are even a concept in a child's life now i think it's really problematic i think one of the the big reasons for young adults right now not um you know not finding their way and not this and not that is because they go from getting literally anything they want as soon as they want it to adulthood which is quite the opposite yeah right and, it, and the, the 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 transition takes that long right mm -hmm. you go from Anytime you want anything, mom, dad, grandma, somebody, you know, I mean, uh, my son, for instance, uh, you know, the new uh, Halo game or whatever comes out. Well, the day it comes out, somebody's buying that game. doesn't matter when. Right. So when his birthday comes around, it's like well, he's 12. Like, what does he not have? Like, I, I guess let's buy him a car. I don't know. Getting <laughs> like he's got everything. You yeah. Know? Whereas. For me, birthday and Christmas Christmas came around like I got a, um, I got a pair of pants. Like I was genuinely excited. I got a pair of pants, right? Because all of my pants are this much too short, and everybody's shitting on me for it. You know, it does change like that. Like I remember, like you like the old like you know you get socks and underwear every year from somebody, yeah. you know. But now it's just like no, I really needed some new underwear. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. You know, somebody gets me some, somebody gets me some some thermal underwear or something for, for Christmas. I'm like yes, wool socks. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those songs are good. But um, I think it's a big. I I know a lot of uh, I know a lot of young adults out there just just flailing, you know, dropped out of college because college felt a lot like work, and they've never had to do that. Dude, before. I dropped out of college three times. Hey, I dropped out of college. Yeah, and then I was teaching college by the end of it. I dropped out of college over algebra. See, I dropped it three times, and I was like, you know what? If this is what I got to do, I don't want to do it. See, well, I think that that's um, that's intentional by design. Yeah, it is, and like you know, I bag on that, and I, I've had people that uh, argue with me about it. Like I used to post about it all the time, but like, okay, so I got a master's degree, and you know, the f- last half of my undergrad and my master's was beneficial because I was only doing the stuff that helped me with right. you know with teaching history and with like they really helped me with my business like that's when i started thinking critically it's like nothing i learned in college mathematics college algebra uh biology physical science um any of the 66 hours of non-degree related electives i had to take did anything for me other than cost about twenty thousand dollars yeah and prove that you can jump through hoops that's what I think college yeah. is designed for. I think it's designed literally to say, here's a piece of paper that says that I can follow your instructions no matter how stupid they are. Yeah, I can't, though. That's why I, I stopped either. working at the that's college. Why I, that's why I dropped out. I, I'm not a good I'm, follower. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't. I'm a contrarian. You know, if you tell me well, this way, you got to do it because this way it's done. And like, I'm okay. You about to, you're about to see a different way to do it. I don't care if it's three times harder. Well, I don't uh, do it that way. Joe was talking about Eddie on a podcast recently, like that, and he goes, "Here's how Eddie Bravo is. He's like, you'd be like, Eddie, don't go that way. You can't go that way. Nobody can go that way. And he'd be like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Why can't we go this way? I'm going to find a way to go this way and I'm going to get there faster than you going the other way. <laughs> like, just like how, like I'm going to do it in spite of this, but man, well, I've always seen like the twister. I've always seen that. Like what a convoluted route to break in somebody's neck. Yeah. There's so many ways to do it. Yeah. That don't take all those steps. Why would you even want to do that when there's so many other things that you can do, you know? Interesting. Like his yeah. whole system, all of his system, I've got all of his books and DVDs and mm-hmm. um, have followed him for years. And I'm not like massively into, but like they, we talk, we're talking about Hickson a lot in there, training, we're talking about Jordan and Donaher. And, yeah. Uh, but then too, like very much like that third person to talk about for me is Eddie Bravo and Tim Planet. Very interesting. Not to me, interesting, not necessarily because I've subscribed to rubber guard or whatever but, yeah. i just i i just like the fact that somebody's like nah I'm, we can do it different we don't have to do it like that and we can smoke weed while we do it <laughs> like that was like another thing justin he's like he's like everybody gives him shit and he didn't really get shit for this anymore like that smoke to join on this podcast you know it's like that's where we are but like dude when eddie bravo was saying this stuff in like early 2000s late 90s even in california i mean you gotta think like just Oh, well, I can't remember when medicinal first became legal in California, but I think I was out of high school. Yeah. Right. And it's like now I'm a medical card holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like uh, people, I'll be like, are you discriminating? I'm a patient. <laughs> I'm a patient, dude. It's for my inflammation. That's like right. The doctor said. All right? 
What well, dude? And it's such a fuck show with the get it. Like I went and renewed my card the other day, mm-hmm. and like I didn't even see the doctor. I saw this other like receptionist type person named Spencer, and he was like, "Look, I'm gonna go in here and get the doctor's signature, but if you wanted to stay for an extra hour and actually go see the doctor, you could get your card today." And I was like. I gotta get back to Russellville. Send that shit in the mail, <laughs> like. <laughs> but um, it, it's you know like when it first became legal in Arkansas, they didn't do anything for like four years. Yeah. So that e- even when it becomes legal in states, there's a big lag. I think it was Colorado first, then California, and then a lot of like your. Uh, um, well, Oklahoma got it several years later, and they were popping. They are popping now uh, with, it's so easy. So like with Arkansas, you got to be wealthy to start a dispensary. Um, That's why we don't have a ton. And in Oklahoma, they're like, what, you got like 200 bucks? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. You can do a farm. Like, uh, but yeah, to get your cultivation license. Like, I mean, there's there's higher tiers than that. But I want to say it's like $100,000 to get your foot in the door. And they might not approve you in Arkansas. Well, they, exactly. They might not approve you. That was that was the thing is like you can submit your, uh, you know, application or whatever it is to, to do it for several hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is that, that it costs, some ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. And they could say no. Yeah. You know. Well, and you know, a buddy of mine who's been on the podcast, a uh, pharmacist, and he applied and got denied and some millionaire out of little rock got approved mm-hmm. you know so. oh, I, as soon as i heard that i was like oh i know how i know exactly how you get approved mm-hmm. i know exactly how you get approved you lace up somebody's pockets oh yeah well yeah. And that's what I, I, it's nonsense and um they're even and they're tightening down on stuff even still and i think that like um I don't know. I think we're going to go back uh, even. What's so interesting to me, dude, is this. Like, we're a red state. We're conservative. It's Arkansas. Like, politically, that is the reality. But I'm paying three grand to an engineer because of a city code that no business owner I know agrees with for this parking lot I just added. Like, how does it get that way? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not conservatism. That's exactly. this more government literally like taking three grand for me for no reason. I I <clears throat> I wish I could convince more people um, that it's not red versus blue; it's us versus them. Yeah, it's it's the people versus the government and the elites or whatever. Like New World Order. It, it, what it, well, what it is? It's WWE wrestling, man. They're making you think they're fighting. All they're doing is taking money out of your pocket so that you'll watch mm-hmm. them pretend to fight. Like what back in is. the WCW NWO versus uh, Wolfpack days, bro. Yeah, exactly. You know, like uh, the, let's see, definitely the the liberals would be the Wolfpack, right? God, I don't know. Right? Like you know, Kevin Nash powerbombing people and Sting. Remember when he went over and had the red mask? I do, yeah. That was great. But Hollywood know. Hogan, he stayed over on that other side. I don't, I don't know my history. I started watching wrestling in nineteen. I watched it very for a very short amount of time um, while I was married to Rodney's uh, sister-in-law. So oh, I was married to Rodney's did not know Rodney's that. wife's sister. I was married to her for four years. Is that how you met her? And we watched wrestling. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's how I met her. I used to see him. It's funny when I first 
moved to Walder and I would see him jogging down the road. And I'm like, what kind of idiot just jogs down the road? Who's jogging? You know? But he, he'd be uh, jogging and somebody, one of these days, somebody told me, he'd be like, yeah, man, he's a black belt in karate. And I was like, beat up a black belt in karate in high school. It's not impressive. Like, yeah. I don't, <laughs> it's like, I don't care about that. It doesn't, uh, you know, eventually I, uh, I was working at, uh, uh, I was working at Tyson and Rodney had worked at Tyson. So he knew some, he knew some people that worked in Tyson, some of his buddies or whatever. And then I started hearing uh, the legends, you know, of him getting into fights and, and beating people up. There's, I, I hope I didn't tell this story the last time I was on the podcast. But there's this legendary story of Rodney beating the piss out of like six dudes in a bar. And I've heard this from the perspective of two different people that were there. Uh, one of them, my friend Marty Nelson, didn't know Rodney, Rodney at the time. He just had met him. And he's like, well, he's from Waldron. I'm from Waldron, right? So... You know, he, he gets into a fight, like, there's not really many of us, so I'm riding with him. Anyway, he sees a fight break out, and Rodney's over there fighting with these guys. He's like, man, I stood up and took a couple steps over there. I was going to help him. He's like, I realized right quick. He's like, I was either going to get in his way or I was going to get knocked out, one of the two. Because <laughs> like, yeah. he's like, man, I, he's like, I've never seen anything like it to this day. He's like, bodies flying everywhere. One dude walk up and get knocked out. Another dude walked up and get thrown across the room. And that's how it went for about 15 seconds until there's just a whole bunch of people laying around. And then he went to leave and they decided they were going to, by God, throw him out. And he said, and then more people got knocked out and thrown all over the place. I can't, I have these two teenage cousins. They're like 14, play football. And they always want to fight me two, two on one. <laughs> but the other day, I, I was like, all right, come on. And then one of them tried to grab me, and I threw him with her Raigoshi, the judo throw, just like sweeps him over, and I dropped him. I just and then I standing guillotine the other one, and they were both done like in an instant. Mm-hmm. And, but that's dude, I got to tell people when I teach because it's judo black belt. But when I teach throws, I'm like, uh, you know, oh break, fall, slap the mat, like oh you know, get your reps in, but you know, ruin this person's back. But like in reality, if I throw you, like I could fall on you. But I might not want to go to the ground. Mm-hmm. If I drop you in a hammer throw like that, it is horrible. Like, oh, if I man. just, like, throw you and then, like, go of you and you fall three feet straight down, it's terrible, dude. Well, especially if you've got, the like, the whipping mm-hmm. action and then the first thing that lands is your pelvis. Mm-hmm. You, you're done, man. That happens in a parking lot. You're done. Dude, uh, the last time I trained with Rolly, he was telling me that um, he f- he fell off a ladder like last year and broke his pelvis. Like holy shit, right? Like oh, terrible. Like, I mean, that's that, crazy. Yeah, and that's it was crazy. like it was like a ladder off of like a like his cabin. Like it was just like a like a one story, like getting up on his roof. But I, I was helping my grandpa when I was a kid one time, and he one of those ladders that like uh, extends up, but it came under. And he just fell like a step or two at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, yeah, that'd be rough, breaking your pelvis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you see a, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a, it's a thing for, uh, you know, it's like no martial art is complete. You know what I mean? No martial art is like, in order for you to train it safely, 
you got to leave some stuff out. You know? mm-hmm. Well, um, I tell people this a lot in 18... I think it's 1895. So judo was codified in 1882. And I think it was 1895 when they... It's 1895 or 1905 when it, it, it between those years that it became PE in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so you, there's some earlier iterations of Kodokan Judo, which I have three copies of, two up there and one at the house, um, where there are neck breaks. Wow. Right? Like, But they're like, oh, you know, got to take that out of there because of the PE. Right. But like, uh, for example, if... I'm like belly to back with you. I wrap around your neck like this. Mm-hmm. Like not because like a reverse standing guillotine. I bend you over backwards. And yeah. Break your uh, spine that way. It's like kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, uh, and then too, there's a throw based off of that. And you see this in one of the, I think it's the very last set of katas. There's 10 katas in, in Kodokan Judo. And they're all after bite belt that you start doing the katas. And. But this was like the kata that the founder was doing when he died. And um, there's like a one where you drop somebody, like they're bent over backwards like that, and you drop them on the mat. But like imagine, like that's what I'm saying, like you're bent over backwards, your feet are on the floor, and I got you in that sort of thing, and then I just let you go. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's why I, I, I really think I, I, argue, I argue with people all the time. Um, not very much, but I, but I enjoy arguing with people when I do that MMA is the best modality for self-defense. For um, sure. You've got all the, uh, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of like Krav Maga guys out there, right, that are really tough and, and whatever. But Here's what I say about Krav. Are you an Israeli special forces member? <laughs> Me either. And if I, if I was the Israeli government, I wouldn't be teaching it to fucking white Americans. Well... <laughs> I, I Here, that, here's the thing. There's there's no like okay, you you, you do Krav Maga. How often do you spar? How often do you shoot at the range? How often do you spar? And of the techniques that you practice in your uh your one steps or whatever it is that you're doing, the, the drills that you do, of those techniques, what percentage of those techniques do you use in live sparring? Because the only stuff you're using in a real fight is the stuff you use in live sparring. Mm-hmm. You're not going to implement something in a fight for your life that you've never implemented on somebody uh, during a sparring match. What are you, you going to think your way through it? Now, what? Oh, usually I do the thumb to the eye here. But like, no, man, you see world class, uh, world class fighters like their technique when they get in an actual fight their technique is way mine way it, degraded mine goes up and i see red and bodies at the floor <laughs> like that is the order of operation dude. my mine's normal <laughs> <laughs> dude it wasn't reality i tell people this i'm like man first degree white belt in jiu-jitsu own a really nice big school have lots of students and still sometimes i will hold my fucking breath you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like the number yes. one thing since like year one is like striking, yep. breathe, uh, doing jujitsu, breathe. But then there'll be just be times where I hit a really explosive scramble with somebody and I might 
come out on top i might not and it's like during that scramble i held my breath for a second now i'm recovering and dying for it you know in that next situation i'll hold my breath during striking because um i i think i instinctively do it so that i don't hit hard Mm -hmm. um that's a it's a i don't know if it's this way if if i breathe or growl into a strike i'm going to hit i'm going to hit harder than i want to hit somebody yeah so I, 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 uh, I struggle with that a little bit when I'm Dude, Dring, uh, and he's coached Core to do this in some of her uh, kickboxing fights, which is why I can't twice, and um, even MMA. But, like, you start getting tired or, like, uh, you're not, like, really pu- pushing through on your strikes. And uh, he'd be like, bark at her. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> yes, when I hit mitts or hit the bag, mm-hmm. I'm – Absolutely screwed. Yeah, that's like Tim, our boxer I mentioned to you. Oh, yeah. And uh, like Corey was just joking the other day. She's like, he's so loud. Like, uh, but there's something like that. But it's just like, I was like, yeah. And if it was you over there training, you'd be making the same sounds. Mm-hmm. But because she gets it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm if I'm hitting mitts or hitting the bag or whatever, I'm really loud. But uh, I'm, I'm always like trying to. I'm trying to hold back on my sparring partner because mainly because I don't want them to hit me hard. <laughs> that <laughs> you know, well, uh, uh, 22 years martial arts experience. I'm terrified to get into a fight at a freaking gas station. Dude, speaking of, uh, I don't want that. I mean, I just saw. I didn't talk to him about it. I just saw him post on Facebook about it. But somewhat recently, um, like within the last year or so, Rolly was at a gas station, and. Um, some crackhead just like he's like uh i want to say he got out of his car and then like turned around to get something out of the seat or console or something or like was pumping gas like just normal stuff we do mm-hmm. and like i think about this a lot now when i get gas like mm-hmm. especially like a loves or something that's like multiple pumps on all sides um but somebody just sucker punched him Wow! and it's like he's strapped yeah and it's like okay Next move, motherfucker. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And then that person just was, like, visibly crazy. Yeah. And, you know, walked away. And it's just, like, some crackhead at a gas station, sucker punch you. And it's, like, oh, it's like, well, how do you, you know, you, you do plan for that. That's awareness. Now, when I'm at a gas station, I am aware that that could happen because it happened to somebody I knew in you know, an hour away. Right. There's two, I'm a huge, huge Second Amendment supporter. It's same. I have a concealed carry permit. I had, I had one for a long time. I had the enhanced too, but now it's like open carry state for Arkansas, so I don't, I didn't renew. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to renew. Um, I got profiled when I got pulled over one time. Yeah. So I'm not going to be in their fucking database now. Really? Like the cop knew that I had a, or, or he's like, he had ran my plate before he got up to the car and immediately as soon as he walked up the and I never had been asked this and being pulled over my whole life you got any guns in the car you have any weapons in the car or whatever he said you know I was like mm-hmm. yes yeah <laughs> I was like and, and I and I did like how I had it uh actually in in here right now but uh as a little 380 and I was like there is a gun in my backpack in the back seat and the magazine is in the console. There's not a bullet in the chamber. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, have you been drinking? And I'm like, no. 
No, sure hadn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like we were leaving family Christmas. Yeah. And like it was like literally 15 mile distance and got pulled over right as I was about to get on the interstate because little dip there where they get you like where the speed reduces like 10 miles per hour like you go under the overpasses to get on mm -hmm. and he just uh and i didn't even see him i mean i wasn't intentionally breaking law or anything i just woke up from a nap because i was too full had lasagna and stuff mm -hmm. and i and, and this dude walked up and and this is like it was a weird interaction and it was because i had my concealed carry yeah i've been asked you know you have any firearms or whatever? Yes, I do. Well, just where where is it at? And I told him, he said, well, keep it there. Yeah, that was the plan, buddy. Dude, I, dude, I thought it was funny meme yesterday. But uh, Brandon Motley's black belt trained with me forever. Man, that fought MMA, but um, he's a uh, possum cop now, game warden. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> this meme is like a game warden, like checking somebody's fishing license out, and on you know two boats out in the things like. Anything on this boat shouldn't be on here. No, sir, just you. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, for real, like uh, it, I heard Joe Rogan say this the other day, but I've heard this before, and I'm not a huge Ronald Reagan fan. Like, I, I, the dude's historically, I got some problems with him. Mm -hmm. But he has a great saying I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'm like, saying. that's the statement. And I mean, dude, this like code enforcer. And I, I went to the city the other day, and I was basically like, look, I came here to do the stuff y'all said. Mm -hmm. Ball's rolling. You need to tell your guy that he didn't get stuck by my business without letting us know that he's coming. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've seen him roll up, pull into the lot, not follow the arrows. I was like, you think a cop of 14 years is a code enforcer, former mm -hmm. cop. It's like, would know how to drive through a parking lot. Yeah. I was like, but he doesn't. I was like, and then he goes and he sits in my back lot for 10 minutes. He goes and sits in my front lot for 10 minutes. Like, he's, like, waiting on me to get there so he can bust me. I was like, I see this on the cameras. I have recordings of it. Here they are. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't like this. I was like, it says on the front door all of our contact information. Like, this dude is showing up unannounced on mm -hmm. my private property. Well, well, um, you know, and they were, like, trying to tell me he can do that. And I'm like, have you ever heard of the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution? Like, just because I, ha I was like, I, like, I can literally tell the cops to get off my property. Like, mm -hmm. If they, yeah. if they just show, because I, I mean, kind of, I've kind of done it before. <laughs> like, yeah. During the pandemic, mm -hmm. they're over here looking for somebody. There's a bunch of hotels over here and stuff, and I don't know what's going on, but they're like, uh, we're in here rolling, lights are off. It's like, well, lockdown's going on. Yeah. And I, I walk up to the door, and, and uh, the door is locked, and I'm like, yeah, what? hello? Mm -hmm. You know, like, door's locked, and he's like, want me to let him in? I'm like, I'm not even supposed to be here, dude. Like, where everybody's supposed to be at home. And uh, he's like, we are not here for you. Have you seen a man run through here? You are not in trouble. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad to know where RPD is on this. But mm -hmm. uh, it was just like, uh, I was just kind of like, dude, we didn't call you. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why you're here. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, this is my half a million dollar lot. And I, yeah. I didn't call you, and we're closed. Yeah. I, you know, uh, big supporter big supporter of law enforcement. They got a hard, hard, hard job, an impossibly hard job. It, they really do. Job. It, it, that but, but I've also been pretty darn annoyed a few times, you mm -hmm. know, 
with with uh, Aaron Van Buren. I've been, multiple times I've been pulled over for something like speeding. Okie dokie, you got me, right? I'm speeding. Cool. R- like write me a ticket, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. Okay, I'm speeding. Um, breathalyze me, right? I've never been breathalyzed, ever. No, get this. Um, I was at a girlfriend's house, had a beer, watching the UFC at my girlfriend's house, had a beer, um, waited, had a beer like when the UFC started, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going home after the UFC's over. You know how long this takes. Yeah. Yeah. Like nine to midnight. Yeah. There you go. So I'm headed home. Um, yeah. You know, you had any alcohol? Yeah. Drink a beer, you know, um, I'm gonna, have you, I'm gonna have you take this breathalyzer. I'll get out, right? Blow. Look. Clear it. Blow again. Look. Clear it. Change the tip. Put a different tip in. Blow again. This the two different officers did this to me. I'm like, oh, and you're what being, are you you're trying being, to well, do? You're being honest with them. That's the. Yeah, I I'm mean, being honest and super polite, by the way, because I know their job is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and all that. And I'm trying to move very deliberately and be super cool because I know, I know that when they pull me over, they don't know me. I could be the guy that shoots them. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. So I'm, I'm super cool. Um, and uh, they're just being pretty darn disagreeable with me for no reason, you know, and like trying to catch me on. I feel like they're trying to catch me on a technicality or something. Mm-hmm. Like, look, man, I get you being jaded. I get you being skittish. I, I get you being, um, having your hackles up. I get like any kind of like attitude I get from a police officer. I don't appreciate it, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. They're in the customer service business and all their customers are assholes. I, I get it. Uh, everybody they interface with, you know what I mean, is usually lying to them or trying to hurt them or, or whatever. So I, I have a lot of empathy for that. But, uh, but man, like, uh, why do I feel like you're, why do I feel like you're really, really out to get me? Why do I feel like you really want to mm-hmm. give me a DUI? Well, I think part of that, man, is just like literally the whole traffic stops. It's like I talked about this in – I'll release this episode. What I just did this last week with Trey McCool, this historian, and we we're talking about um, law enforcement. But it's like the 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 pool of people that you get to do the job because it doesn't pay a lot. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh hey, we want you to leave your family or your everything for twenty weeks. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of systemic issues, and like they don't they don't really get compensated for all the bullshit they have to deal with. So I feel like they draw a lower caliber person. They do. And I, I, I really think they do. Now, once again, to be clear, some of my best friends, some of the people I respect the most in the world are former police officers. Yeah, I got a guy here that like, runs the whole morning program. Yeah. And he's 20 years long. And, and they're phenomenal people. Like, like they're my brother, some of my best friend. Don Paul Bales, former police officer. Great freaking guy. That's my brother. I, like, I will take a bullet for that guy. Uh, Dan Casper, one of his black belts. Um, great freaking guy. Great guy. Several, uh, several of Don Paul's students, police officers. Like them all. Like them all real well. Um, 
And, uh, but I tend to agree it's one of two different people that you get. You get people like the people I'm talking about right now, which are just great people, um, who will tolerate the pay to try to do something that they want to do and make a difference. And Mm -hmm. I 100% believe that's what they did. Um, but I, I know I'm not going to name names because I don't want to speak on, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I know police officers who were fired for exposing corruption, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and, uh, it's, uh, dude, I probably saw him going to roll to turn roll. I, I they're doing some sort of operation on forty, but I saw ten cops, and mm-hmm. I saw six coming back. Yeah, and some of the same ones. And I stopped seeing them once I got this side coming back, this side of uh, Moralton. Mm-hmm. Um, which usually I'll see one or two driving to Moralton. Um, but man, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like speed traps stuff yeah, like that I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like really... hiding somewhere so that you can catch me speeding like man well, yeah, you, you like, gotta well, hide from me so that you can protect me that's it the, the message that that sends like when I I, t- I told this guy this like when I pass a cop I'm automatically like oh I'm whooping I'm breaking the law and it's like routinely it shouldn't I, be I, like I do that, not right? break the law yeah. you know and, and then I'm scared of these people that are trying to catch me breaking the law <laughs> right right and like you said, they might be like, oh, well, I think you should get in trouble and I'm going to try and hang you up. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it's really bizarre to me. Um, you know, in the in the story I heard about the, like the breathalyzer things, like, well, most people, when they say one, they're lying. Like, well, that's awesome. I'm not most people. I said I drank one. And when I blew, it looked like one. Mm-hmm. So what game are we playing? What are we doing? I said one. I blow and it looks like I, I I said one three hours or four hours ago and it looks like I drank one three or four hours ago so what are we doing now yeah. why are we continuing to do all this there's um, uh, so I don't even remember the like the whole sentiment of the meme but it's like basically like uh, a guy's driving with drugs in the car so he's not going to break any laws and it's like the dude behind him's like hurry up man he's like no way buddy not, not, not this car. I got drugs in here. Like, it's not driving faster. Well, uh, you know, as far as the like the systemic, the systemic issues with the police department, I thought for a long time. Like, I think a complete overhaul of training, training and pay. Like, what if? Well, schedule too. Yes, but schedule. Like, the they, whole, sh- like, they should do like tours, like. Like the military, like they should do six months on the street and six months behind a desk or something. I agree. Maybe six months um, on patrol and six months at the school. Well, so, or, so this is or hanging out at the mall or something, you know. I um with where we are with society, man. Like this is a controversial issue, but it's like I want to pass you in the middle of town. I want your ass to be sitting over at Russellville School District. Making sure ain't nobody walking up in there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's the controversial issues, like, you know, law enforcement guarding the students. What is, you know, what kind of country is this? Back to that Second Amendment discussion. But it's like, instead of trying to catch citizens breaking the law so they can generate revenue, I mean, that's piracy. Mm -hmm. It's like, literally protect us. 
Right. Like there are bad people. Like, what are you going to do about them? Let's like, make sure they don't go to the last places that we want them to be. Yeah. Like well, and there's like, man, so soft on crime. I think uh, you and I walked back here. I don't remember when you were here last. We walked out in the back. I had all that cleaned out. There's a huge shed back there, mm-hmm. and there's a homeless person living in that shed. Wow. And the cops like busted him. Like the church had seen him go back there and called the cops. We weren't here. And they're like, hey, you know, and I, like, I, I see this guy's arrest warrant in the shed. And it's like his like laundry list, all these failures to appear and warrants and all these different times that he had seen the judge and been given a further fine and everything. They didn't even arrest the guy. Right. Man, get out of here. And I, but that's what I mean. Like, uh, unless it is like a serious, like, and this guy's like original crime was like a, a theft of, not pro- it wasn't property. I was written up like if somebody else, like he stole services or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I don't know how per se, yeah. uh, but like theft of services up to so many thousands of dollars. But um, I will say it seems like, I don't know what they're doing other than pulling people over and giving tickets because it seems like every other crime you want cops to deal with, they're soft as fuck on. Yeah, they're they're not very fast to respond to. Particularly the theft that you they, that you want them to to respond to, uh, you know, with the with back to the pay thing, like instead of the way it is now, why not pay them? Why not start a police officer at like sixty thousand a year, mm-hmm. and have the pay scale go up to I don't care what a hundred thousand a year. I bet you could cut most police forces in half. If you started the pay like that, and then no, you're not. You get a better. You're not hiring. Person. Yes, you're not hiring Joe Bill. You're hiring Jocko Willink. You know what I mean. Well, you're these, hiring uh, dudes up there in Mulberry. Tim Kennedy. The other day, right in your backyard, that beat the yes. fuck out of that guy. Oh, mm-hmm. That was national news. Yeah. Dyer mm-hmm. Mulberry. Uh, it was. Uh, no, I think it started there. Now I think that was in Van Buren, which is where I live. Okay. And beat the crap out of the guy, dude. Um, and uh, like, look, I'm not soft on. Um, I worked at it, so Rodney and I worked at a juvenile mm-hmm. facility together. He right? still does, right? No, or is he no, he's a juvenile. He's a juvenile officer for Scott County. Um, but long story short, I I know what it's like to try to get somebody in handcuffs that does not want to be put in handcuffs. I know what resisting feels like. It doesn't look like resisting. Mm-hmm. Right? But if I put you belly down or even on, uh, on your back and I'm like roll over and you won't, that's resisting. And the longer you stay on your back, the more likely it is you pull a knife out of your pocket or something and you start stabbing me up. Mm-hmm. So that's resisting. If I take you down and I tell you to roll over to your belly, you better roll over to your belly or I'm going to start getting rather violent to get you to do that. Because the longer I don't have exactly control of you, the more danger I'm in. And I know this as, as a person who's tried to try to do this before. And this whole thing of like, well, he wasn't resisting. Well, yeah, he was because he wasn't doing what he was told. So this kid 
But first of all, I've seen this turn over, turn over, and then there's another staff member laying on the kid won't let him turn over. Mm-hmm. Mostly because they're knuckleheads and they don't even they don't know what they're doing. They're just grabbing at yeah. something because they have no idea what else to do. They don't even know that they're stopping. You know, uh, many, many, many restraints over the years that I worked there, and a kid would be like, "I'm literally trying to, Mister Jeff over here won't let me. Like, please let me turn over. I'm trying to give you my hands, right? Like, ah, okay, okay. Well, Jeff, li- loosen up, Jeff. All right, let's let's do this. Oh, here we go. Click. Cool. Um, so there's that, but then there's also this very passive looking resistance, and it is dangerous for a police officer because there's a reason the person doesn't want to turn over and give you his hands and go in cuffs. And it's not because he wants to lay there and have a talk with you, right? It's because he wants to fight you, hurt you, and or get up and run away. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. But what they did <laughs> was way too far. Like, look, man, you can't bounce a dude's head oh, off the pavement man. in order to get him uh, in handcuffs. And, like they were doing, like, GSP Nevi dude Yeah, flying. man. Look, um, and again... Here's the thing. If that was one police officer roughing him up like that, I'd be like, hey, mm, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like, I mean, what's what's that person's alternative? He could tase him, maybe. If he can safely, if he can control him. Well, we've while seen he some weird tasing taser. incidents over the last two or three years, too. Like that one guy that, um, that I want to say they did tase him or tried to tase him, but like, um, it looked like, I want to say, he tried to take the taser from the officer, and they ended up shooting him and killing him. Yeah. As, uh, I think this was the black dude that was asleep in his car in the Wendy's drive-thru. Or something like that. I right? seeing it. Yeah. I, was, I mean... Like but a I couple said, of taser, like the, well, the the one lady officer, she thought she uh, was going to tase the guy and shot him. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. Like yeah. uh, That's, that's <laughs> messed up. And again, you know, here's the problem with tasers. Like, if you're under serious duress you pull your taser and the taser's ineffective. Well, you only have time for one pull. You pulled the wrong thing. You got a taser, and now this man who outweighs you by 100 pounds wants to kill you. He's going to take your taser from you. It's going to be like, that's my taser, right? Because he weighs 100 pounds more than you, right? If you're a female, or if you're even a guy built like me, it's not not crazy. I even know a cop in Oklahoma that has one arm. Yeah, he couldn't he couldn't get a job in Arkansas. Like, but he ended up moving, and um, yeah, it's like right here that it's cut off. Uh, you know, I don't. So then you'd have to have a whole, you know. So there's people out there. Well, he shouldn't have uh, he shouldn't have shot him because the guy was unarmed. Like, every cop's got to be Batman. Well, here's like, a, what are we what are we doing? Because now because now no women can be cops. Mm-hmm. No, that it, it that the definite problem with that. And here's another thing. Like, we can sit here and talk about this. And you've got some experience, and I've trained law enforcement with Dream several times. Yeah. But um, having not had those feelings, not basically developed the post-traumatic stress that I know every cop has to develop. Like, within, I think Blue Belt here at the gym just started being a cop. It's already seeing horrible shit, like suicides, you name it. Like, just first week on the job. Yeah. So it's like, and uh, I've heard him describe this way, like, you see people on the worst day of their life. At the worst time. Um, but yeah, I mean, cops, uh, that's raw in that way. And then it's like, oh, we're going to pay you 30 grand. We're going to pay you nothing. Yeah. yeah I remember enough. I mean, there's, uh, I don't know if it's still this way, but you know, back when I lived in Waldron, just about every cop was on food stamps. Mm-hmm. 
Well, okay, so there's a guy, and now he works across the street and doing a lot better. Uh, but we went to high school together. He's a little older than me. Uh, he graduated college while I was still in college, got a degree in criminal justice, went and started working at Clarksville Police Department, and at the time I was working at Walmart, and I made more money per year than he did. He started off at like $19,200 per year, and this would have been like 2008, no, yeah, 2008 or nine. Yeah. Right? Probably, probably 2008. And it was like, and then too, this person's, and now it's funny because I am who I am and like I, people respect me more. I don't know, it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's fucking weird. <laughs> but like uh, this guy, like when he first became a cop, I remember he just changed. I'm like, bro, you used to be like guy I consider my friend. Now you're a fucking dick. Like, yeah. and just like everybody kind of said that. And like, this is like my one of my best friend's cousins. Like, mm -hmm. this is my best friend's cousin, right? Yeah. Like, so I'm just kind of like, but now, like I saw him a while back in Conway and he was like, like walks up to me from across the store and I bullshit with him for a little while. And I'm like, fucking gave me that ticket, dude. <laughs> like, thought we were friends, you know, and like, yeah. this is like years later, but I'm just like, uh, but like, you know, you, you don't get paid enough. You got to put your life on, on, on the line, line every day. Yeah. And like, I mean, here's the thing, you. dude, if I don't, like, if I ain't going to appreciate you, the system's fucking broken. Like, yeah. and I do, like, I do have an appreciation, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, don't fucking tell me that you that you train enough, right? Like they're oh, just no. systemic things. Like uh, yeah. I remember when the George Floyd thing was going on. Like I was providing heavy commentary about that on the podcast and everywhere. Yeah. And some lady I know through the gym, like her husband's a detective, can became a detective. Like they're great people, mm -hmm. train their kids. But the husband could not fight his way out of a wet fucking paper bag, dude. Like, no way. Like, I was not in shape. Like, he came in and did some, some like, you, you know, like, he throw a punch, but his hands were down. Like, you know, yeah, like this, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's like, that was, he had been on the force for over a decade, was just like patrol, but then he got this detective job. And it's like, his wife was arguing with me about how highly trained he was. And it's like, I've rolled with him. Like, don't, like. There's no lying on the internet about it. Like, no. and it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk shit about your husband right now, but like, he's totally fucked. He's if he useless. runs into my six month student, he's totally fucked. Yeah. Like, if he runs into a high school wrestler, he's totally fucked. If he runs into a Taekwondo black belt, totally fucked. A, a college, a, a college basketball player. It's somebody that is above who has been average. in a fight or two. Above right. average human being. There, there's a. Um, uh, I feel bad because we're sitting here just shitting on cops. But we and love, I, and I, some and of our I friends love, and man, cops. I, and we I love, love you. I love, love you, Josh. Yeah, I, I love uh, police officers in general. Like their their job. Once one again, their their job. <laughs> their job. Their job is really hard. But um, you know the ones the ones that I say there's you know I've seen uh, you know police officers get out of it. I mean and just waddle waddle around their car like man you can't fight off heart disease Dude. how are you supposed to fight off anybody trying to kill me we you're talking about having a gun in the car like we got pulled over in McAllister Oklahoma one time going to a jiu-jitsu competition yeah. uh, BJF Dallas and that cop gets out 
right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you're going to go over the speed limit, you know? And it's like, the sp- I think at that time, like this, and it's done this to me in Oklahoma a couple of times. They'd had those 75 mile an hour speed limits before mm-hmm. Arkansas did. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but it had reduced, like McAllister's like on the interstate. Like you go through the town, it's on both sides of the interstate, like right yeah. there, like service roads. It's like the speed limit kind of changes and then goes, it got it, it was going a little over, got to it. Mm-hmm. I had a cop with me, a great mm-hmm. dude. And um, he has his gun with him. And uh, this guy pulls us over and he's got the mustache, like stereotypical dude. Like, I just like, where's the donut, bro? Like, you got a coffee and a donut in each hand right now? Mm-hmm. But he's like, hey, uh, you know, I got a gun in here. And he goes, cool beans. And like <laughs> walks back to his car. Like, doesn't doesn't ask, doesn't say anything else. Just, cool beans. Yeah. And like waddles back over and then comes back with a ticket. And like, quite literally, I just trained Pulaski County SWAT with Dring. And I had like the, the lesson plan outline on my dash. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought he was going to come back and like maybe not write me a ticket for some reason. Like, yeah. like, man, maybe we can talk more about this gun thing and establish this dude's cop and you could let us off, you know. Yeah. But uh, no, he came back with a ticket and was like, see y'all later. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Okie doke. Yeah. yeah. I just, a few bad experiences, man, that I've had with police officers that really left. And I would say we're, we're model citizens. You, oh, I, I mean, I, dude, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know a ton about you, but like, I know that it, I bet if you and I even went out uh, anywhere together, we'd be holding doors open for people. Oh, um, yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. Uh, uh, helping somebody get something off the top shelf, like whatever. Like that's yeah. the type of person I am. I'm going to, I'm going to pass you walking down the road in the morning and say, good morning. How you doing? Yeah. Like uh, riding my bike over on the trail. Like, how's it going? You know, it's just like definitely not out looking for problems. Mm -hmm. The opposite. So for somebody to act any way other than that towards me and it's sticks in my crawl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sticks in my car. Now, from just average old, regular old drunks and crackheads and idiots or whatever, I get it. And, uh, I mean, I, I expect it, right? But from from police officers, when it's it's annoying. I know why it's still annoying, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, um, the... Higher the higher pay like that, man. If you if you could have a police force like super well trained before they ever get there, right? Like extremely confident. I talk about this in the kids' class all the time. Confidence equals compassion, right? Like if you punch Superman in the face, right? he's not hitting you back. You know, you get you get you get all sideways. You know, with somebody very powerful or whatever. Like they're much more likely to um to let you off the hook i i I, um talk about myself for a second because i'm my favorite subject uh but uh was in a a local restaurant there in van buren and uh there's some drunk jerk uh you know being a drunk jerk right at the bar and uh i know the owners and they were like man we'll put you on the payroll here man like we're I'm getting sick of this guy. We're going to have to get him out of here. Um, long story short, I went over there and talked to the guy, and he was an idiot to me, you know. And uh, okie doke, man. Okie doke. Went back and sat back down. Um, kind of wanted to just snatch him up and throw him out of there. But he was 
he's about your size, and it's like, if he was closer to my size, I might just grab him up in a little, you know, in a little come along, and I might throw him outside like a frisbee, and we might be done. But he's closer to your size, and I'm like, I might have to kind of rough him up if I'm gonna get him out of here, and I'm not actually on the payroll, right? So local MMA coach beats up dude in the bar is not the story I want. Mm -hmm. Local MMA coach working security at the vault <laughs> handles business. That's not even a story, right? So it's like I'm I'm not I'm not doing this unless this guy attacks me, right? So I go and sit back down. Well, he comes over and is kind of jawing at me some more or whatever, and eventually leaves me alone. Um, cause I won't feed into it. Right. Um, but the people that were asking me, like, I don't, I don't understand how you didn't get mad. And I'm like, anger is a result of fear most of the time. And I have no fear of that. Like, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people out there I'd be scared of that aren't trained at all. Right. If they're built like a fire hydrant, like, yeah, that's not somebody I really want to fight with. And I might be scared. I, I definitely wouldn't want them to hit me first, but like this guy was just not, other than being relatively big, right, there was no no threat at all. So I was able to be compassionate, right, and not, like, put his nose over on the side of his face and take him outside and slam him on the concrete or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, police officers should be confident enough, no matter where the conflict takes place or, or what's going on, that they are able to... Uh, to handle it without because the way it is now man it's like either do what I say or I will shoot you that's the only they can't go hands on with anybody and you see them most of the shootings that I see honestly are good shootings quote unquote good shootings like I, yeah that was yeah guy reached for his gun or got you know guys fighting him or whatever he picked up a pipe or something like that and got shot like you know, play stupid games win stupid prizes but if you rewind the tape about five minutes, that cop should have went hands-on a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have the confidence to do it. He allowed this guy, this happened at the juvenile camp a lot. You let these kids gain confidence and like pump themselves up and escalate themselves to the point where they're able to take themselves to a, a place they should not go, right? You, they get all amped up and, and uh, next thing you know, they end up doing something that if you were originally like I, I used to literally just like grab them or push them right it's like hey listen to me I just put my hands on you I'm not afraid to do it okay we can fight if you want to fight we can do that I don't want to do it though let's just do this right just do what I and it something clicks in their brain like oh okay Take an inch, get, give them a mile type of a deal. Yeah, you know, just grab them. Like, I am not afraid to put my hands on you, right? Um, and that's what... It, some more confidence, which comes with training. It does. You know, and I, I like most precincts, departments, are training so little, like 40 hours a year. Or something like or that. Or every and two they, years. Yeah, or it, it may, I think it is 40 every two years, maybe. But it's, um, or they'll do, I mean, and they don't even do that. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's all the training. That's not the hands-on training. I think the hands, a hand-to-hand, they maybe do eight hours every two years or something like that. And they train the stupidest stuff. Wrist well, locks and stuff like that. Like, come on, man. And then they, um, you know, the certification process on, like, well, who's training them? Who's training them at the department? And it's like, Russellville has, like, McMillan, who trains with me, like, this is going to get his jiu-jitsu bite belt. He's a judo bite belt. He's an aikido bite belt already. Like, was for years, like did Olympic fencing um, is a teenager, like martial artist and law enforcement through and through. So he's training a lot of the guys and he trains his chief of campus police, trains his guys. But you don't usually get that. You usually get some guy that like maybe did some hand to hand in the military and he's, you know, the sergeant or something. And it's like, they're going to send him to an annual thing to become a, a certified trainer and it's like he's going to come back and not train martial arts at a gym at all. He's just going to go get certified. Mm-hmm. And then it's like now he's it, – that, that's fine leading the blind. Yeah. It's like uh, – and, you know, you and I are sitting here talking about all this. And it's like we train all the time, and we still have, like, some reverence for the fact that, like, uh, dude's bigger than me. Like, anything could happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like – Especially it, on the – I mean, that's um, – t- tell people all the time, like, on, on the feet, like – Man, it's that's a dynamic engagement, man. It's an explosion. You anybody can get knocked out, you know. Oh, that's 100%, terrifying. Hundred percent. Um, man, uh, Don Paul Bills has a an amazing law enforcement uh, combative system. That um, developed. Uh, the guy that I mentioned a couple of times, Daniel O'Brien, that I just had in for the seminar. He uh, has a instructor's law enforcement trainer, nationally known, um, old school Hickson guy. But I think they're under like. One of the Machados now, well, it's like when Hickson moved away for 10 years, but this guy's name is um, Johnny Lee Smith. I was like, fuck, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Lee Smith. But Johnny Lee has this um, uh, GST, is what it's called, Gracie Survival Tactics, but it's like a national uh, certification. It's like he does all sorts of stuff. Like he came in uh, to Russellville a while back with McMillan. And, um, like, they were doing a shooting. Like, Dream came to it, like, a big shooting certification. Mm-hmm. Even Caleb from Inferno came to it. Mm-hmm. But this guy's also Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. And his student, Daniel, like, is an amazing, like... And how ironic is it this dude had a brown belt come in last night and train with me? Like, I'd never trained with Daniel Bryan until two weeks ago at the seminar. Then he got a, bite, or a brown belt working in Bentonville. It's on his way back, stops in, trains with us awesome time tons of shared interest like came over in the studio last night and was like oh man i was like yeah dude uh come back and hang out it's gonna be working in bentonville he said for several months so yeah really cool guy and he's 285 or something like that did not smash me because my back's like fucked up this week i did the chiropractor yesterday yeah um trained super hard all week like super sore rolled with that guy just positions yeah. just like we trusted each other it was weird then i go roll with my football player and he wrecks yeah, my body man. well i mean uh there's a lot of people out there right like maynard talks about it um but there's a lot of people like, like i i won't roll with anybody that doesn't have like a lot of experience and then it's and then it's like hey like don't hurt me <laughs> right mm-hmm. i'm not gonna try it is it's like, gotta be a trust feel man. feel how i roll with you right I mean, we wouldn't even have to have that conversation, right? You would just boom, boom. I'd grab you and you go, ah, okay. 
Right? I, mean, I, I would feel what you're putting down. Yeah. Like this, like that Atayi guy. I was on with him on Wednesday. Like, honestly, like just like this dude, Brazilian, third degree black belt. Like I thought he was way younger than he was. He was 33, closer to my age. But um, I just kind of, th- I mean, I'd just seen this dude compete in a super fight. And like, you know, kind of intimidating guy. Even mm-hmm. smaller than me. Like I'm 20 pounds more than him. But like, it's like this dude's fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like we roll and it was just like, no pressure. Yeah. He, the, he, he, he just move. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm going to move over here. And he's like, me too. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. let's go over here now. He's like, okay. Yeah. But I, like I was saying this scenario earlier when we were training, like, I would like frame up in his shoulder, his hip or something. He, I started on bottom. He kept trying to pass my guard. I'm framing up. And it, he wouldn't push into my frame. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I see you've stopped me from moving forward yeah, I'm gonna move around oh, yeah. a little bit and I'm like well I'll move my frame over he's like oh, okay well I'll go over there now and I'm yeah. like well I'll go over there too but then it just became it was like a, I use the analogy of speed chess mm. move tap and then yeah. you move tap Yeah. And, and so we just kind of back and forth like that the whole time he never really tried to submit me like it was just he just passed my guard a couple of times I got my guard back a couple of times and yeah. afterwards super thank you coach and I'm like Thanks. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you are very good. Well, yeah. You are very good. <laughs> Man, uh, maybe once every few months I'll roll with a, I'll roll with a, I'll roll with my teenagers a little bit because mm-hmm. they're, they're my size. And, uh, but I mean, with a mouthpiece in, you know, because they're head butts and elbows. Oh, and, dude. Uh, and you just, they don't know where they're at. Well, I was wrong with a white belt the other week and dude, this was like, I was like, fuck, man, are you going to pay the mortgage? Yeah. I was like, because you're rolling with me like you're going to pay the mortgage after you fucking kill me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was like, if you want to have a place to train, you will. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, because, you know, like, this place needs me to be here every day. Yeah. So I was like, um, you want me to roll with you the way you're rolling with me? Yeah. I was like, because you will not like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I've never rolled with you the way you're rolling with me. I was like, and you're about one pinch of my skin away mm-hmm. from really pissing me off I'm like just like reprimanded him i'm like go sit down over there yeah like it, yeah just like dude was not how we're gonna do it yeah I was like and if you it did i just like the closer i get to 40 the less uh now i'm just like oh no get out yeah i'm not gonna roll with you like mm-hmm. uh, i'm not gonna I'm not going to give you the opportunity to, like, try and fuck me up where uh, I can't do my job. Well, you know, you got two choices, right? Either you uh, either you let them jack you up, which you can't do, or you jack them up, which you can't do. It's, it's not a right? no desirable I mean, mode a, there. A, an adult, right? Like, I mean, I, I value every student I have. Even, you know, if, if I've got a student that I don't particularly... Uh, you know, like personally, well, I still value them, right? I still value the, you know, they pay me money, they give me their time. I value that. So I don't want to rough anybody up, um, but especially not like a teenager, you know, because they're not my client. You're right. They're not my customer. Mm-hmm. Their parent is. Well, they go home all roughed up because coach roughed them up. That's that's not going to go over well. Well, exa- that, exactly, man. So it's just like, it's a weird deal. It's like, Nobody wants me to go hard with them, right? right? They just like, want to go I, hard with you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and it's like, 
you that's not you don't do that because it's not gonna it'd be a smart business decision mm-hmm. like you're gonna run off and i'm dude i came up in a time and you did too i'm sure it's like the infancy of all of this in arkansas and like how much it's changed over the last decade but mm-hmm. like dude it the total opposite of how we're talking for the f- first 10 years it's just like oh yeah let's kick your ass drag him out the back door when we're oh done. my god i like, actually told somebody that one time it was like a smart mouth dude trained at the gym down the street and they're like always fucking with us always talking shit on the internet and this dude is like always trying to come in and spar with us mm-hmm. and we'd beat his ass one other time yeah right like but he he came back in one time uh and core just circumnavigated cut it off like yeah you're not fucking you sign up You've already mm-hmm. been here. Like, you want to train here? Get a membership. We'll have to train down the street. And it's like, okay, so go train there. Like, what do you want from us? You mm-hmm. know, like, your coach has, like, openly talked shit about us, and you're all about that dude. So, just not going to be a good arrangement. And, like, I'm not anti-cross training now, but, like, that's the example. Like, that's the exception. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to train with anybody that this one dude who's attacked yeah, us for, for a decade, you know, yeah. he's attacked us uh, just recently. Some mm-hmm. two things came up, and I'm just like, and this I'm talking about something like ten years ago, but the last time he came in it was the first force location. We just hit our ten year anniversary, so to them, he come in a couple other times, splitting at the karate place, and I was just like, dude, if you ever come back here again, and this was okay. So it's a second first location when Cora cut him off, and then they came in another location. I don't even know if they knew it was still us. I, I, maybe they did. I don't know. But we'd moved, and we didn't have our name on the on the sign outside. It just said martial arts. Mm-hmm. He showed up, and I'm just like, I see him. I'm just like, motherfucker, hate this guy. You know, mm-hmm. like coming in here again. And I was just like, dude, you remember what happened the other time? I was like, if you ever come back here again. We're going to fuck you up, and I will throw you out the back door, and that's where you will fucking wake up. <laughs> like, But, dude, that was 10 years ago, you know, eight years ago or something. But, yeah. like, how much has changed since then? I'm just like, now I'm like, you did, dude, I don't even have the energy for that. Like, I could have this, like, blue belt beat you up. I might do that. Yeah. Like, I might just have the mad enforcer beat you up. Yeah. It's weird to go, too. Like, you age. Like, I was the mad enforcer. Yeah. Like, uh, Randy, this one of our bite belts is reminding me. He's like, dude, when you were competing... He goes, you would, I would, like, I'd have competition coming up, and I'd start shark tanking myself. It's mm-hmm. like, I'd start with the white belts, and then go all the way up to the highest rank, and I would submit everybody. Mm-hmm. And I still was not getting the best results in tournaments, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it, in, in here, it's like, it's been rough, because I can't really do that anymore. Yeah. And I did it on Monday, because the city is fucking with me, and I was pissed about it, and now mm-hmm. my hip hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I did. I, I smashed everybody in class. It's like, we're rolling the whole class. And yeah. I just like I, everybody, nobody got really anything on me, controlled everybody. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, I hit. Yeah. 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 I, every once in a while, I'll, you know, I, the guy, I'm sure the guy weighed 260, 270, roll with his gun, butterfly sweeping. So I feel so cool. Afterwards, I'm like, that was stupid. <laughs> I got off so light. Like, I didn't even hurt afterwards, right? It was just like, I'm so lucky that he didn't like wishbone me or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, my, my training partner, Eric, um, is my assistant. He's my main, he's my main man, my main guy. 
great guy. Teaches my intro lessons. Um, intro lessons are way to go too. Like yeah. that's the reason we have as much success as we do around here, and we're trying to do more with adults. Yeah. But with the the youth and teens, all of them do it. Yeah. And we're doing that more with adults. <clears throat> it's just, um, man, the staffing to do it because we do we do several intros a week with kids. Yeah. So then it's like you, know, you try and stack three or four adults in there, it starts getting full up quick. But that was the biggest difference on retaining more members. When we started those intro lessons, everything changed. I mean, yeah, we we um, we do intro le- and and I only, you know. Like, I, I do intros on Mondays. Can't start this Monday? That's cool. Next Monday. Mm-hmm. You know? We do a lot of times It, it creates a, a little, like, ooh, I better. And, you know, I'll tell them, like, you, if you if you want to do it, that's cool. But you, you might want to pay. You know, you might want to pay and hold your spot. Because sometimes we have one intro. Sometimes we have four intros. And we will only do four intros on a Monday. Mm-hmm. We're not doing more. It's, it's too hard to do, right? you got four new students, kids or adults. It's, it's too hard to do more than four people at a time. Um, so, you know, so you get a, a, group, a group of like three or four. Yeah, we'll that do, that's do, good. Yeah, three or four. One, we thought about one instructor, that. you know, Eric's over there. He'll give the intro lesson. And it's quick, you know, a few techniques. Dojo etiquette is one of the main things, even with the adults, you know. Eric is real forthright with them. It's yes, sir, or no, sir. And you know, we bow in, we bow out. If that's not your jam, that your move is right there. That's the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um well, and, like and I, it builds I think, a it builds a culture, you know what I mean? Cultures of people who yeah, exactly of people who want to be there and want to be cool and don't want to hurt anybody. And if you want to bump chests or whatever, have a sword fight with somebody, well, man, Spike Twenty Two is right down the road. Mike Ward will mop you up. Have fun. I got a guy that trained there for a while, and he may still go. I think he still cross trains over there, but he's been coming in here. Real good dude. Um, what's his name? Dustin. Dustin, yeah, I know, um, I know him. Yeah, what is his last name? I've hung out with him uh, um, at the vault. I've sat down there and yeah. chatted him up. Cool dude, he um, super cool guy. He always has um, his rash guard like hikes up, and then his belly hangs out. Mm-hmm. He's got a very hairy belly, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, I'm all the time like, I, like in my mind. Have you seen that uh, SNL where Will Ferrell? It's like, uh, come to work however you want, Patriotic Day. And he's wearing like a, a speedo, American flag speedo, and like a belly shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like hanging out, or Starsky and Hutch, where he's like, "Show me your belly, <laughs> brown sugar." <laughs> but like this dude's always got his belly button hanging out, and it's like this hair. And I'm like, yeah. "Fucking Will Ferrell right now, dude! Look at yourself." But yeah, he's a nice, I, a real nice guy. Uh, yeah, he talks about training with Mike and training with you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's super cool, super cool guy. I was surprised at. Um, how good he was right like so he came in he only done some nogi and mma over there mm-hmm. and like i rolled with him like the first time i met him i was like had ducked in after getting off the college i still worked at the college i had like a hellacious week and like nobody showed up for open mat and he's there and i knew he'd been coming in but i don't usually come to open mats on friday's and working at the college and i'd got off early or something i was in here and i was like oh i'll roll with you dude i rolled with him for like 20 or 30 minutes without stopping and like just had fun you know and like, he didn't even, I don't even think he knew I owned the gym, yeah. right? Like, I just hadn't met him yet. And, and then, uh, like, we were talking, and then somebody's like, yeah, he's a Brian's a judo black belt. And he's like, oh, he's judo. I'm like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Just fucking keep coming. You're going to earn black belts. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I was saying about that the other day. It's like the super foot black belt. Like, I did judo before jujitsu. 
Um, but you just keep training martial keep arts. Uh, like yeah. that's that stuff definitely falls into place. But I, I can't remember. I think I gave him three tips on his white belt a while back, uh, three or four, because I was just like, dude, you are good. Like, uh, I hate seeing, because of the politics of ranking jiu-jitsu, where somebody will train somewhere, and I don't think they do gi over there at Spike 22. They might. I think they do just no gi. Can't remember. But, like, a lot of times you'll have somebody that, like, for example, I had a guy, he trained at two different places, just out of state, trained there, and he'd wrestled in high school, too. Mm. Just kids are training with us here. Then he had trained at this other place when they moved to Arkansas, and then he's trained with us. And it's like the dude had like high school wrestling and like almost four years of jujitsu. Was it really good? Yeah, he's a terror. And he's like a one tip white belt or something because he had moved around. It's like you get to the school. It's like I could verify his training. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'd look on his social media and you'd see like, oh, he's just training back in like 2017. Like, you yeah. know, and it's just like, it should have been a blue belt. He should have been a blue belt when he got here. Yeah. And it's like he's underranked, and it's like, I hate seeing stuff like that. And it's like, well, hey, if you're like, here's the recognition, I don't just hand it out like uh, haphazardly. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if I, like, that's the way I view it. It's like, I should be looking at you being like, man, well, fuck, why is this guy not a four tip white belt like mm. why doesn't he have any tips on his white belt or why is he not a blue belt right and like when i'm asking those questions repetitively or people in the gym start asking like that guy's really good like oh wow yeah he's definitely not a white belt you know or whatever it is i i try and set that stuff straight because i i hate that it's it's politicized like oh well you trained somewhere else before you came here so you're gonna have to stay here an extra long time before i recognize you and then it's like you move on to that third gym, and it's like, well, this dude's been living here for like five years, but he moved around a lot before that and didn't get his recognition. So it's like, that's a, I get that a little bit, but I'm like, man, I also, it's like, oh, you're a martial artist. You've trained several years. You, you deserve some recognition. Like, <clears throat> I didn't put in an astronomical amount of time with Bill before I did with Dream, mm-hmm. but, um, and now I have. Now I put enough time in with Bill in person where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm glad. I, dude probably sees me as one of his bike belts. That's Versus, yeah. like, the whole first beginning that several times I trained with him, he doesn't know who I am. Right. Now he knows Core and I. I did a seminar here, which I decided I, I filmed the seminars on the – and I just noticed yesterday I had, like, a, uh, almost a 1,000 views. I was like, fuck, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I need to watch it. Yeah. It is, it's open and available. He did a, a kid seminar. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised at how good it was. Like, right. he's 76. Mm-hmm. And just how good he was with the kids, man. Yeah. Like, uh, it was one of the best kids seminars I've ever been to. That's one thing. Um, I know you You seem to have a lot of classes that you let other people mm-hmm. handle. I haven't got, number one, um, I haven't got to that point yet. I haven't got to the point where I have enough. I, mainly, I just don't have enough people that I would trust to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like Eric. I would trust Eric to teach a class. He doesn't have time. Um, but uh, I don't have anybody else at this point that I would trust 
uh, that was us at class. one point, dude. And kids in particular, like, you got to be really good with kids. I'm really good with kids and not everybody Of course. Is. It's, what is weird is I'm almost like, in a way, sort of jealous about it. Like, Cora is super good with all kids. Mm-hmm. Three to four-year-olds, five to seven-year-olds, eight to 12-year-olds, teens. Like, she's good. It doesn't matter. All sorts of kids she's going to be really good at. I'm good with ages eight and up. Yeah. Right? I think there's like a, a fly in my light here. Do you hear it flying around? No. Damn, those flies are bothering us while we're training, too. Like, look right there in my light. Like a... A bug flying around in there. Oh, yeah. Like an Arkansas, man. Anyway. I can't wait for it to cool off. Dude, what a weird little heat wave we had. But wh- before I got distracted, by, wh- what was I saying? Damn. Cora. Oh, oh, yeah, kids. Good with kids. So, like, I can teach uh, H 12-year-olds really well. Like, they command their attention. Like, I work with a group of them mm-hmm. every week. Then teens. Same thing. Like, really get along well with the teens. Like, I feel like I do a good job. Like, they pay attention. They get better. Like, it's rewarding for me. I don't hate doing it. But, fuck, I hate teaching five- to seven-year-olds, bro. (laughs) And I will not teach three- to four-year-olds. I was teaching a section of five- to sevens when I quit the college. Like, right before we started some new classes to kind of supplement. And, well, Cora taught that class the other day. And I was just, like, over on the other side of the mat watching her, and I'm just like, How's she doing? It's brilliant. Like, they were all just like sitting there, and she's like doing a stretch with them, and they're all just, they're doing a stretch. They're not rolling around. Like, and she had, I think, 13 five to seven year olds. Holy. Like, and they were all being quiet and doing what she was was talking to them. I'm really good with them, and I couldn't. She's better. She's better than I, because I know. Five to seven. I had a five to seven. I still do. I teach five to seven year olds, but I teach them with my eight to twelve year olds. I just have a bunch more coaches mm-hmm. than before. Um, back when it was just me, I had five to seven year olds by themselves, and like about ten was as many as I mm-hmm. wanted. The class assistance is where it's at. It's good if you have assistance like that. Yeah, if you have a when I have an assistant to come over here with these one or two kids and be like, hey, 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 you know, pay attention. If you don't, man, you can lose them so fast. Uh, there's a big learning curve with it. Yeah. But now I folded them into the eight to twelve year old uh, group, and uh, I have them. Do, I don't teach five to seven year olds chokes, and I don't let them. Punch well, for a long time, the each other or even punch at each other was um, like that one I showed you. Could pendulum sweep with mm-hmm. that? Uh, it's not anymore in AGF, but forever that was illegal for kids because you'd be like have a an arm on their spinal cord. Wow. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely. Because, they do, because they're sociopaths. <laughs> Legitimately. Yeah. If you teach a kid, if you put a kid in the position of an arm bar and you say, okay, now lift your hips up until he taps, they will break that kid's arm mm-hmm. and giggle their ass off while they do it. They could not care less. The other kid can scream and cry and they could not care less. I don't teach them. I'll let them do joint locks on me, mm-hmm. or if I have another coach smaller than me, like I've had a couple of female coaches. Those armbar dummies are good for that, too. Yes. Uh, we don't have them anymore because they tear up. Yeah, I've torn up like three of them. I'm like, I'm not going to I don't have anymore. a place to store it, number one. That's a hassle, too. And, uh, and uh, there's not very good quality. But I'll let them do that. I don't teach them chokes literally at all. Well, we're for five to sevens. 
I'm trying to think. We usually will do like uh, whatever the eight to twelve year olds are doing. They're usually doing three or four submissions, right? Like mm-hmm. guillotines and kimuras or something like that. But we'll teach them like uh, one of whatever the submissions is going on the big person class. But it is typically joint locks. We might show them a rear naked choke, but I don't know if we do for five to seven tonight. I don't really teach them. Man, I'm afraid of the consequences of them putting it on little brother or little sister mm-hmm. or something while mom ain't looking. And uh, I don't want to be the guy that taught, them, taught that to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just too scared of it. I, I'm because, because really they, they are too young to understand the consequences of mm-hmm. doing it. So, I just, I had, so, and then three and four years, I don't, I don't even know what I would teach them. We didn't, I wish we would have talked about the rear naked choke while we are training. So I learned some new shit about the rear naked chokers oh, man. from this Daniel Bryan guy. Yeah. So imagine I was taking your back, like, you know, like a sit up style back take or whatever. And I wrapped around your neck like this. Mm-hmm. He will never turn his shoulders back this way. Like, let's say I'm going to lock up the rear naked. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. Okay. He, he goes across your neck and then he goes and it, because do this let me get back at the gym right we can do it after we get done with the mm-hmm. podcast if you turn back it loosens everything like okay. so if i go across your throat and I, my shoulders are here and i go there's this little instance before i get everything in where it loosens up when you turn your chest back to center so he just stays over here and he's like oh yeah you know the only get scratching the eye and shit i'm looking back off over this way so i don't have to worry about it like so he'll He'll wrap you and his eyes are back off over here. Oh, that's really interesting. But then another thing. So this is Henry Akins, too. I mentioned that Hickson guy. I'm going to go train with Oklahoma. Like, I was always doing it like elbows in and like chop your head off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, you can press this around your neck and push your neck forward into it and just, you know, bring everything in tight. You know, with your elbows out. Yeah. And uh, Henry's talking to Bernardo Fari about this. It's like a video of him doing it on, the, on YouTube. And he's like, going over it and that and he's like yeah you know bernard was like yeah the two ways you're talking about he's like that's the ways that i teach my students and always did in tournaments and henry's like yeah it's so crazy because when i started training with other people i didn't know that you guys did the rear naked choke these other ways i just do it this way which was not the way bernardo was talking about but what henry was doing and daniel was doing this in an in a sense is he doesn't go it was he shrugged everything up. Mm. Shrugged, like yeah, like that. Here. Yeah, but then um, what Daniel was doing that was interesting is he was doing that and then the chest thing, but he was bringing his knees up to his chest. Mm. So like he would have that, um, he'd have this, and he's got hooks, and he's like brings his knees up towards his chest you know you're laying laying yeah. on him yeah. but it's like everybody wants to like hammer their hooks in yeah. press the hooks in and he was like bringing his knees up he's doing the same thing on the arm bar was not pinching his knees on the arm bar was bringing his knees in and that was engaging his pelvic floor on the elbow yeah just man tons of stuff and this dude's like 33 um but he's had success adcc done tons of ibjjs so see he's the guy that uh, you may remember this he Entered this tournament with all these black belts, no gi, blindfolded. What? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Let's see. We'll, we'll wrap. I'll pull this up and then we can wrap it up. And I'll, uh, 
got to go home and do some. I'm I'm making this patio for Cora. Yeah. And it's kind of on a slope, so I got to do all this excavating dirt. And um, let's see here. I've, I've got a way of doing the rear naked choke in MMA gloves. Nice. That, that, that's way easier. Blindfold. Let's see. Blind master Daniel O'Brien wins BJJ matches blindfolded 26,000 views five years ago. Um, he hit a, a really high-level arm bar, ball and chain in a tournament. Brandon McCatherine, who's an Eddie Bravo guy, I know, I know who that is. Yeah, so I, Brandon taught a seminar here, and they lived like 25 miles apart yeah. in Alabama. So Daniel is this guy over here. BMAC is filming this. Okay. Look, he has the, the blindfold on. He's filming it from the stands. Right? Like, that is wild to think about. So there's a D1 wrestler. There is a world champion. There's a pan champ. All of these guys. He talked about this on my podcast. Um, it's bizarre how he's standing. Yeah, straight up. Straight up like that. I wonder why he's doing it like that. Is it just because he's blindfolded? Or? No, his posture. He just likes to have his posture like that? Yeah. like yeah. Did you say he just threw that dude off? Yeah. Like, he just, dude, he's so reactive. And, and it's so counterintuitive, the things that he says to do. He's karate by belt, too. That's really interesting. Yeah. But th there's uh, other... other you know, um, matches of this or his, other clips his of this. Is his posture is really interesting. I've never, I've never seen anybody. I, I know like that. Now, B Mac will B Mac's extremely stiff with his posture mm -hmm. because of his. Uh, he had a, a neck problem. Well, and too uh, interesting about B Mac is like one of his hands does not essentially does not work. Really? Like if you notice him, he's always making a fist with it. Like it doesn't um, like I when in I do my Darcy's this way now. Do like this Darcy's and rear naked chokes. If you make fist versus here, it fucking hurts more. I see. Uh, that's what I was gonna say in the in the glove. I go here, and then I punch him in the back of the neck. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do the fist behind. That's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. I just punch him in the back of the neck and set it through. Man, I'm trying to, I can't remember. Uh, there's some other footage of this. It might be on his website, but where he's doing the um, blindfolded. But he talked all about it on the podcast. It's a really cool story because, I mean, he was just like, too. At the rules meeting, he was like, if anybody has a problem with this, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. He's like, we've been training this way for several months, and I want to see if it works. And everybody was like, oh, we have no problem. Like, you can do it. Yeah, like, we're going to wipe the floor with you. Yeah. So it's no big deal. But then there was apparently this one guy who's like a world champion that wasn't at the rules meeting. Mm -hmm. And he threw a bitch fit about it. Just like, rah, 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 rah. And then after this match, Tom DeBlass attacked the fuck out of Daniel Bryan on the internet, like in the comments. Like, oh, you egotistical prick. Like, that's so disrespectful. This it's interesting how this draws some ire from different people. But, like... I wouldn't have thought that Tom DeBlass would have that. I mean, he's a pretty, he's kind of a roughneck guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's American, right? Yeah. So he's an, I follow him. I like him. I like his social media stuff, but like he is confrontational. Yeah. Like he's he is always, like code, every huh? day, he will be bitching and talking shit about someone on the internet. He's, he's very inspirational. But, I mean, I, f I follow him every day. I like mm -hmm. his statuses every day. Like, 
Um, I've got some of his jujitsu instructionals. He's very articulate. He's on the school board. Like owns, he is the ranking instructor of the NYPD as of last week. Right. Good. Yeah. So like, but I respect the dude, but like he does have a little bit of a disposition and like, I kind of get it knowing some things about him. Um, like, He's very open about talking about like his alcoholic dad and some that just passed away. But yeah, yeah, some things kind of naturally. Con- I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm like, I took a personality test, Brian. <laughs> and apparently, I rank, I rank very. What was it like the top? I rank something like in the top five percent or something like that in disagreeableness. Have you ever had an IQ test? Oh uh, no, that's the interesting thing with me. Um, I'm kind of reluctant to take one. My therapist is like, yeah, if you ever want to take one, let me know. Because yeah. I would love to give you one. And because here's the thing, like, she suspects I fall within this certain category. Mm-hmm. Like, of, because she's fascinated by me because she's like, how are you doing all this different stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I just like this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the guitars and the yeah, podcast yeah. and the history and the, the gym and all of the stuff I'm into um, and the fact that for four years I was doing all of it mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And so she's, but she's like only people with certain IQs do stuff like that. And mm-hmm. she's like, and people that fall within this range, which is where I think you are, um, you know, like, uh, I think she was saying like 140 to 142. Like she was reading me off all of these things within that little range. And she's like, does that help you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, but then, too, she's like, you can become too self-aware about this stuff. Also, she's like, there's a side of it where, like, if you do the IQ test and this is true and you believe it, where you might behave differently. or you, It's like the awareness could be good, but you could also succumb to it, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I'm not a big, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've known a few people who have... Uh, taken you know official iq tests or whatever and scored very highly on them and it's, it's i don't think that's a good thing is where i was going with that. well yeah uh, that's what i was saying is like that number one um they they think they're pretty neat you know because they scored high on an iq test and the other thing about it is like y'all are stupid <laughs> you know Dude, like, that is the correlation y'all, y'all are kind of dumb though the people with the higher iqs like struggling the most it's probably like when i say that i mean like what you classically think of as common sense right they're just Mm -hmm. kind of they just seem very absent-minded about kind of just regular old everyday stuff like okay you're really really smart why have you hit like six curbs with your car how you keep doing that that's why why you why you doing that you know texting and driving for me man (laughs) here i'm talking about not breaking the law in my car but you know uh but now that I do get exactly what you're saying. And like people, I, Rogan's talking about this on one of his episodes recently, like people that are specter me, like they're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever their IQ is, but like, uh, or like, I just think like kids, little boys, fuck. I mean, I, I kind of look back and I'm like, Oh damn. Like I was homeschooled. I sh- like was drinking too much Dr. Thunder and eating too many raviolis and ramen and, but at the same time, I was running through a fucking field at my grandma's house and playing in strip pits and fishing and hunting and, like, living a very, but, like, the, like ADD, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, um, 
or somebody that's on the spectrum, it's like if you can put that person in the environment to succeed, and that I think is never in a desk for eight hours with PE two times a week now. Like, dude, shit, I just found this out the other day, like some of the kids are talking about, but like when I was a kid, PE was every day. Yeah. Every day for an hour, and you had yeah. to take it. There was no way around it. There was right. always some excuses. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, no, there was no excuses. <laughs> like you, no, no, your doctor, your mom. You wouldn't get cares if you didn't your bring your your clothes to dress out for PE. You wouldn't get points. Yeah. Right. So yeah. people would. You uh, had to bring different shoes. Uh, yeah. Or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But man, I just real interesting how like now. I think it's two or three times a week, like every other day, and then they do music on one day. But it's like, cut these things out that would be truly beneficial to your day that you should be doing every day to mitigate and offset the fact you're in a desk and not running through a field. Right. And uh, But these people that are afflicted with, you know, attention deficit or whatever, mm-hmm. if you can just get them in a place where they can focus on something that they truly enjoy, like uh, audio engineering. <laughs> or um whatever right you know yeah um and like you know i've i've, I've been pretty pretty transparent I, I started you know struggling with uh depression and uh anxiety and things like that when i was a teenager and um pretty early on in life uh, in adulthood found martial arts and there was a real clear pattern um, when I'm doing martial arts and working out, staying active, I don't have that much problem with depression. When I first moved from Waldron to Van Buren, uh, there for a few years, I didn't really train. I didn't train very much. I went a couple, went like a couple of years without training or exercising. I was on antidepressants for a, like a stretch of, of uh, three or four years there um, before I got active again and got myself off of them and uh we're just you know um you know the 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 problem with depression is it makes you not want to do all the things that you're supposed to do right that's the that's the big problem with it well yeah uh, it did and you know i've uh just from being i think overstimulated i never had any issues with anxiety until i got briefly addicted to xanax <laughs> right like like i was taking some xanax initially to sleep mm-hmm. like like last like this week i've not been sleeping worth a shit like i'm surprised because my sleep was last night was good but i took two melatonin mm-hmm. i hate having to take melatonin but like my back was jacked up all week was not sleeping good and i, I usually don't do well in conversation if i don't sleep good like yeah. i will forget all the time what i was what point i was trying to make mm-hmm. and um Man, it's just, uh, I started taking it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll take these. And then, like, next thing you know, I was taking, like, two bars a day. Right? But I was getting tons of shit done, bro. Like, I was working this full-time college job, like, uh, uh, coming in at the gym, trying, like, yeah, everything was good. But, dude, once I started, like, queuing in on those things fucking with me, I, I kicked them cold turkey and then had anxiety after that. Like, uh, what is a withdrawal symptom, whatever. Kind of got over that, but then I started having, like, these weird-ass, like, nocturnal panic attacks. Like, I would, it's not, like, I, I had night terrors when I was a kid, but I would just wake up, have too many the other night. I will wake up totally drenched, 
and heart racing heart racing shivering but hot and will and like i was talking to core about the other day and like googling and just different things and like the one of the sh- the things at the bottom is like feeling of impending doom and it is that's what you feel like when you're having a it like I've known people that had anxiety uh, and have dealt with it and have seen people have panic attacks and like, if you've never had one, it's real hard to understand what that person like, what, what, what did you, what, like, just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember like, yeah. uh, the first time I saw Cora have one, like, I, d- I didn't even know what's going on. Like, I was like, are you, what, are you okay? Like, yeah. And then just over time, you, you realize what is going on and then like, fuck. But there is nothing until you've had anxiety, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was if it was like I I very superstitious that that shit that I was putting in my body the Xanax which is for anxiety mm-hmm. introduced anxiety into my body, and I you know, and and it's pretty easy to believe right that pharmaceutical companies created a drug this happened to jordan peterson though to, uh, the yeah. same thing with xanax yeah. like the same things he talks about experiencing after he stopped taking them i had those yeah uh, it's not hard to believe right that a pharmaceutical company would make a drug that introduces the exact problem right like man i, I don't know i think i'm feeling a little bit anxious oh is that right well here's this drug now when you stop taking it mm-hmm. you have anxiety so of course you have to keep taking it. You can't come well, off so of it. Several people. I just talked to somebody yesterday, and they were like, they're afraid of flying, so they will take one when they fly, but then they're like, oh, I hate it because I feel so bad after I take it. Like, it makes me irritable, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it does. Like, you get real irritable after yeah. you take it like, that next day. And, um, but she uh, was saying, like, she had taken some to sleep uh, once upon a time. I was like, yeah, that's how I got addicted to it. Like, but I've heard several people say, yeah, I'll just take those, that helps me sleep, you know, and like that is literally, because at that point, that is right when I started getting up at 4 a.m. And, or right before probably, when I started getting up at 4 a.m., it regulated everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, there was, I was never awake past 10 p.m. And I was always, I would, I would wake up and then I could go to the fitness center and then have enough time shower do everything i want to do and then go teach my damn class be there for a few hours come back so that was kind of but until i started getting up at four man i wasn't exercising like i should and just everything wasn't balanced out and then like i was kind of trying to find that balance and wasn't sleeping once i started getting up before that's when my sleep regulated for the most part but man have you ever had melatonin yeah I hate having to lie. I did, I did too last night, and I woke up and was not super tired. I slept good, slept through the night, but I hate having to rely on anything to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I I was having um, anxiety at night. I couldn't go to sleep, and I would wake up and couldn't go back to sleep. Not panic attacks, but um, just jitters. Like I, it was like I had restless leg syndrome in a way. Like I could not get my legs to be bit. still. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've exactly had it. But that's what it was like. I was like, I had to move my legs every once in a while. Like they would just get, it's almost like they were asleep. Or that weird aching you get when your legs mm-hmm. are asleep. And to alleviate it, I would have to like jerk or move my legs. And uh, man, I got to where I was getting up. I would literally get up 11 o'clock at night and go out and run sprints down the road to try to like shake off mm-hmm. this nervous, weird nervous energy I had and uh, struggled with it for 
for a long time until I started going to the gym on a regu- on a regular basis. That's that. Ah, that, oh, man, that does mitigate. So like since I've been not at the college, I've been more consistent. Like it's not. It's literally not going to take from my day or time at all if I go to the gym every day. Yeah. And before, like you know, it's kind of like oh, I'm going to go a few times a week and. I'm definitely making it a part of my routine, but if I miss this day, like yeah. it's like life's fucking crazy right now. I've got to kind of pick and choose sometimes, but now it's just like I'm going so much. Like uh, last week, I was I think I went five times in a row, five days in a row. Yeah, right. But this like noticing how much better I felt in terms of my energy, um, alertness, mental acuity, everything's a little bit more honed in yeah if if i get up and run to the gym first thing and get a workout in um like i don't it's, there's it's like a confidence in a way really like yeah i'm probably one of the baddest motherfuckers that ever lived I yeah, really dude i'll say when you get up at four that is even more because like oh yeah like dude no, i'll be getting don't to leave the... in the gym and the sun's coming up like i'm a navy seal yeah, I finished one the other morning before uh, 6 a.m., and it was a pretty good workout. Like, yeah. uh, it may or may not, no, it wasn't a morning. There's one morning that I did a good workout, and I rode a 5K. Like, I got a good workout in, and I rode a 5K. So I was just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, um, there's one way, it's just weights. Like, I did all the cables and pulleys, did a bunch of dumbbells, did some bar, uh, bench incline and D-line, Decline, incline, bench with the uh, dumbbells. I hadn't been doing barbell on uh, like chest and stuff no, anymore. I never did it very much. I, I hit a a nice little PR years ago um, without having ever really benched very much, and have I probably not barbell benched literally since then. Man, I like there's a stint where I was barbell like I'd started doing bench, incline, power clean, and squat again. But dude, now I'm just like. I just like dumbbells more. Even if I'm going to do something like squat, I like the trap bar first, like squats and deadlifts and stuff. I got one of those, like a trapezoidal or mm. hexagonal type. But, man, I um, I just don't do a lot of barbell across the board. I really no, don't. I don't. I don't really do very much um, heavy. You know, Planet Fitness dumbbells only go up to 75. Yeah. Shit, I only do, like, the most I've done, I think, 35 pounds. It's like uh, I'll do sets with 30, like three sets of eight with like 25, 30, 35, or I'll do like a set of 20 with 35 or 30. Like that's usually what I'm doing, anywhere from 20 to 30 reps. Like what you, I got to check out that uh, channel you were talking about earlier. What was that again? Smashworks. Smashworks, W-E-R-X. W-E-R-X, yeah. And it's just, like I said, a bunch of prehab, rehab stuff. and um and everything from shoulders to neck, plantar fasciitis, everything. You ever um, read that book, Becoming a Supple Leopard? No, but I've heard about it. I got to get it. I just ordered three books the other day, and it's three jujitsu books I didn't have. And I was like, why the fuck don't I have these? Mm-hmm. Like, I got the Gracie Master text right here. Yeah. But um, this was like an Elio and Hoyler book. Hoyler. Yeah. Like, he's one of the sons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? how did I not have this book? And then I was like looking and there's like a Hoyler and Henzo book and I got a Henzo book, but I was like, why don't I have this one? Mm. And then there was uh, another one that I didn't have also. So I bought all three of them. It, I think it was just a Hoyler book. Yeah. 
I, I'm the, I tell every time I'm on Dwight's podcast, he quizzes me about some JKD quote. I'm like, I, I am the worst JKD nerd. I own one Jeet check, book. Check this out. It's, it's the straight lead by Terry Tom. I've got the only one. one I own. I got two Terry Tom books. Um, let's see. Um, there's these two JKD books I keep kind of waiting. These are the three I got. Yeah. See, that's in my queue. I've already got one of these, but if it gets super cheap, they don't print it anymore. Used is 81 bucks, but uh, mm. let's go down here. Julius Caesar with pencils in the back. Let me get that same. You got all the Pearl Jam here on the pops, bro. You're seeing my, you're you seeing my playlist. Yeah. Uh, this list. Indiana Jones hat. Everybody Jones needs one of those. Okay. Oh, ooh. okay. This is cheaper than it's been in a long time. Mm. A guide to martial arts training with equipment by Dan and Asana used for $65. I've seen that be $600. Right? Wow. This Boss Rutan used Book of Combat 2, 89. Like, I'm literally watching these. Okay, look at this one. I've seen this one be like 800. 178, 22 for the Filipino martial arts by Dan and Asana. Dang. Uh, 69, 36. If I ever catch these Boss Rutan ones around 50 bucks, I'll get them. Um, but, man... Like martial arts books, they don't even fucking make those anymore. No. Like uh, this, but in I mean, just kind of looking back, I'm going back. Like I got all Bill Wallace's books, uh, but in terms of like everything's a BJJ fanatics instructional video now. Yeah. These are like three of the only books that I did not own. Mm. You know, this one is forty bucks. It's kind of expensive. That one is cheaper than four, but this one I ended up paying like nine dollars for. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, I, you know, I. I I never, um, honestly, back you know, back in the day, man, I didn't have the money, didn't have the dude, money dude. to buy the books. And I, and it, I yeah, or the had, instructionals. Yeah, and I, I had, I had Rodney right to, yeah, know, train with him. Like if he was teaching anybody, he's teaching me. Dude, until I was like twenty eight, it was like that for yeah. me. So, like I was poor as fuck. I remember all I wanted, all I wanted was Greg Nelson's clinch. <laughs> like and now I have it like I tell people all the time I will show clips of that in class like him just like murking people yeah. and like I'll show the one on YouTube I'm like guys like that shit we just did was was from this I was like I remember when I would just watch this clip and and there's a couple little clips of the like but now it's like five parts and like I have it all memorized and notes mm -hmm. and you know just like but I remember when I bought it was $149 and I, I even at that time felt some guilt about spending $149 because it was yeah. like I hadn't like super made it but it's out of college like Jim's successful and it's like feeling guilt about buying a resource to make me a better martial artist yeah. but I was like poor as fuck all through college could not afford to justify paying $150 for an instructional and now like still I'm like this is this is this means something to me. Like yeah. I went without. Like what you're saying, it's like yeah, I went without this as an adult yeah. for years. Yeah. And I tell, I give Cora shit all the time. I'm five years older than her, and I'm I'm like, she just turned thirty. I'm like, oh, I was not thirty. I'm still poor. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. I mean, I got yeah. out of college at twenty eight. Like when I was about thirty is when the gym really started. We really started to hit the stride. I'm like four and fifty members now. Like May last winter was really good for us. We may hit 500 before the end of the year. Man, that's a loose goal. It'll be hard to do because it's winter, right? Yeah. We will hit 500 in 2023 without a doubt. It's just like getting the place for the people to be. Like, yeah. 
Anyway, having the physical space for Yeah, well, I'll walk you in the back. I'll show you kind of what we're planning on. Like, so we want to add on, but fucking city planning commission. We've got a new mayor coming in, and I'm going to try and talk to everybody that's going to be a mayor candidate and just be like, do you, do you support this? Do you yeah. support me having to pay, you know, three grand just so I can put down 10 grand of parking? I was like, because, you know, I paid the 10 grand of parking out of pocket, and that was fucking hard. Like, yeah. like literally wrote a check for $10,000 and got kind of sweaty, clammy when I was doing it. Like, paid for that out of pocket, saved that money up, and bought the parking. And it's like, now you're telling me I have to go pay an engineer three grand to make this piece of paper that has my parking on it. Yeah. You know, what, you know, it's like, well, that's the, you know, the word. And, but it's like, no, you put a ceiling. I'm like, like, if we, if we were, like, we're one of the most successful businesses in our industry in the state oh yeah. that's the only reason i can fuck just play your fucking game yeah yeah you know, like and, and nobody else in town owned a martial arts school could play that game no not not now there's a guy that owns a building on a on parkway but he built it in like the early 90s when there was no regulation parkway wasn't big yeah anyway yeah well dude let's uh let's wrap it up man i'll show you show you the backyard here see what you think nice we did that uh significant amount of because I, I remember us walking, walking around, around. Yeah. yeah i remember walking around back there in the grass yeah well bro i, I always uh awesome talking martial arts and yeah everything yeah good time man awesome yeah sign off guys thanks